It's September 26th, 2022. This is a special edition of Rook. Hi there, welcome to episode 201 of Rook and another special edition of our program, The Uprising, Solidarity with Iran. I'm Gian Gomeshi, good to be with you, and I really hope you are keeping well or doing your best wherever you're tuning in from around the world. Hello to you from Toronto, Canada. Salam Dustan Aziz. Durud Bashama. One thing's for sure, the end of this current brutal regime in Iran is inevitable. The end is in sight. Of course, we have to be ready because in all likelihood, the worst is still yet to come. We remain ever hopeful, like many of you, but at the same time, trying to manage our own expectations. It's like we have to repeat to ourselves, don't be too optimistic, don't be too exhilarated, don't be too much of a dreamer, and don't be too celebratory. Now is a time when a regime that has done anything it can to maintain and retain power for 43 years will continue to do so at any cost. But, you know, while a violent crackdown might buy the regime some time, it won't buy them a ticket to ongoing power. The people have risen, and there's no stopping this. It's just a matter of when this dictatorship will fall. Maybe it's days, weeks, months, maybe it's years, but it will fall with brave young women and men in the streets in Iran doing the real courageous work of fighting for justice and trying to get rid of this regime. So we've built another Rook special on this uprising and focused on how we can in the diaspora possibly help, the ways in which we can possibly support and show solidarity with those in Iran. We've assembled another group of stellar active Iranian voices from across the diaspora, Lawyer and activist Kabe Shahruz is here in the Rook studio. Kurdish Iranian lawyer and commentator Avin Tavakoli is in Zurich. Afghan rapper and activist Sonita Alizadeh is in New York. Broadcaster Kambiz Hosseini will join me. Artist and singer Gelare Shebani in Los Angeles. Musician Reza Rohani also in Los Angeles. Pioneering politician Dr. Reza Moridi here in our studio and heroic pilot Captain Christopher Borzu Behnam in Sacramento. Plus, we're gonna play a new piece of music just released from Dang Show in tribute to the current movement in Iran. Lots to get to. The Uprising, Solidarity with Iran. New piece of Dang Show music. Yes. Good on you, Shaya. Yes, yes. It's a really, really good piece. Uh, thank you. Actually, you listened to it yesterday. I did. Yeah. I got a preview of it. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so Groovy Shia is here yeah, and yeah. also in the studio, Smart Pega. Hello. Hello. So, um, okay. So we've been talking uh, as a team over the last few days, again, what we could do in terms of um, how, how can we help? What, what role can we play? And our focus on this special edition of Rook is what we can do to help and show solidarity with those in the streets in Iran. And we, of course, want to do this in English mm -hmm. as we do our programming. Why do we do that? Reach the audiences. Yeah. I mean, we've one of the things we've talked about a fair bit is, uh, of course, the people leading this movement and the people who should be leading this movement are the people inside Iran. Mm -hmm. And 
the majority of them are speaking Persian to each other, and exactly. that makes sense. But in terms of building the awareness, the attention, mm-hmm. and the necessary support of the yes. diaspora and beyond, mm-hmm. so second, third, fourth generation Iranians and non-Iranians, uh, English can be helpful. Very much so. I think, you know, this is one of the things that I've even seen at some of these demonstrations that's a problem is, you know, we might feel it more in Farsi. I mean, obviously, it's the first language of most of these people out there, you know, even at these demonstrations here. But the point is something else. Your first language as well. It is, Mm -hmm. yes. And it definitely, you know, hits a different way, for lack of a better Mm -hmm. term, to say those things in Farsi. But the point is something else. The point is to spread that awareness and to gain that attention and we can't do that if all we're doing is speaking to our own community. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it it seems like sort of an obvious point. There, the, one of the things is there there really is a, and one of the reasons we started Rook, Rook Media is there's a dearth of, there just isn't a lot of Persian programming in English. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can help fill that void, something that people can share, something people can hear, something yes. that people can share with their non-Iranian friends, yes. maybe that can be helpful. There right? is another thing actually, you know the. The majority of protesters in Iran, I mean, we've heard that they are like 16 years or 17 years. And like in diaspora, the 16 years old or 17 years old, they are mostly actually, they are not familiar with Farsi. I mean, they they know Mm. Farsi, but they they were, they was born here and English is their first language. So it would be helpful to them. By the way, we were just playing uh, Pink Floyd uh, (laughs) in honor of the the, the, the leader of the revolution. <laughs> Roger Waters has certainly, uh, uh, I mean, you know, he's he's no stranger to activism, but oh, yeah. he's really stepped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roger Waters from Pink Floyd yes. fame. Uh, it's it's so interesting that Iranians had this affinity for Pink Floyd. We've done these these shows about it. We did a whole series why Pink Floyd. That was before I think Iranians, the, the pre- Iranians preemptively had the relationship <laughs> yes. before we knew that years later, when there's yes. a, a after post revolution, that uh, Roger Waters is yes. going to be stepping up for Iran. Um, but uh, uh, of course, by the middle of last week, if one more person had sent me that video <laughs> that Roger Waters, I was like, okay, I get it. Roger's yeah. on our side yes. on this one. All right, that's good. As uh, if we didn't love him enough already, I think now it's just. To a whole other level. Well, uh, yeah, some folks love him, some folks don't, but he certainly he's been really consistent in his support uh, for um, change in Iran. Yes. Um, so we've got this amazing list of people uh, coming up here. A couple of them in the studio and and uh, from all over the the diaspora. I did want to start with you, uh, Smart Pega, because um, and I should explain that you know you come at this. Um, not just as an Iranian kid or an mm-hmm. Iranian Canadian kid, but um, you've you've done you've played quite a role in organizing and 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 wanting to play a supportive role in the diaspora mm-hmm. over the years. You are um, you were the former president of the Iranian Students Association at York University, yes. and you were the co-founder of something called the Iranian Students for Human Rights organization here in Toronto. Yes, um, so. You come at this not unlike me uh, in, in, in my past from a, from somebody who's organized on a bunch of stuff that uh, and and you know really want cared about the community. Mm-hmm. I know you've been to the demonstrations um, every night here in Toronto, pretty um, much. Pretty much all of them so far. Yeah, yeah. I have and, not missed one yet. And <laughs> and how have you felt going to these demonstrations? I mean, first and foremost, it's um, the sense of pride that I have is unparalleled. 
seeing the unity amongst the community here. It's something that I've previously been critical of because I find, you know, we don't have that unity oftentimes here, but it's definitely something that you see with these demonstrations and these, you know, these people coming out. So I will start with that, mm -hmm. but I also think that um, there's things that we could do better mm -hmm. at these protests and demonstrations and things like that. And one of them is which actually, is partly natural. Yeah, I mean, it's of it's it seems like it's been a long time, but it's actually only been a, a week and a half since yeah. Massa Amini was killed, which was the 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 turning point, which yes. was the moment that really uh, there was a lot of concern when she was in a coma, et cetera. But mm -hmm. that became the precipitant for so much of what's happened. Um, the linchpin, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so it's pretty quick that yes. this, I mean, <laughs> let's just say my media reaction uh, that I'm, I'm sure you'll agree with is the first, going to these demonstrations, the fr my first reaction, having gone to many demonstrations, some of them Iranian over the years, was holy shit, look at all the people mm -hmm. here. I mean, the, it's huge, yeah, you know. Very quickly, people have wanted to do something, and mm -hmm. you can feel mm -hmm. in the crowd an aching to be part of this, to mm -hmm. somehow support you know somehow lend our voice collectively or whatever all of those hashtags all of that mm -hmm. stuff that sometimes just becomes sort of slacktivism like you never hear from it again seems to be actually applying in this case be our voice let's get out there awareness people are doing it right they are they definitely are and and i think that's part of it is that 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 excitement and that passion is definitely there and i think that's why sometimes it's easy to lose sight of some of these minor details so Again, you know, one of the things that we were just talking about is we should be saying these chants or these slogans in English because the idea is to raise awareness for individuals who aren't a part of this community. So, you know, that's one of the things that, in my opinion, could we could do better. Would you modify that to say English and Persian? Yeah, I mean... I mean, it's also about sending support to those who might be a, in Iran who are able to find out about these, right, or see them. It is, and I... Not that I disagree with that, but I think, you know, we have to be really smart in how we do this because I think we've already shown outside of, you know, outside of Iran that we are, in fact, behind the individuals who are going out on the streets every day yeah. inside of Iran. Yeah. We, we've shown that, you know, we want to be, we yeah. want to stand there in solidarity, but we have an ability to do something here that they don't there. We have the ability to reach out to democratic nations <laughs> you know we have democratic governments we somewhat have the ability, democratic anyway somewhat yeah, anyway yeah, yeah. you know we have that at our disposal so mm. we should be making use of that we should be making them aware of it and could i i mean I, i'm not going to put words words in your mouth to, i'm going to modify again you tell me if you agree with this mm -hmm. or not we're, you're not necessarily saying or we're not necessarily saying we want western intervention we want oh, no. we want uh, the no, you know no. the west to ride on a horse and save the poor iranians definitely that's not. <laughs> not what we not only is it not what we want it's not what i mean the people in iran the young people in the streets they have the answers mm -hmm. we don't need to give it to them no. they they know what they're you know they're what they're doing but creating some kind of awareness for the rest of the world to be able to enable and strengthen those in, right. in Iran. And I, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, doing this only in Persian, mm -hmm. you know, screaming death of the dictator in, in Persian, yes. uh, I, it, it, it's not gonna win over the Western media right away. That's exactly, and that actually brings me to another point that I was gonna get to, and that's the language that we use in English. So, you know, I, again, I know some of these chants and slogans in Farsi, like Magbar Diktator, for example, in Farsi, it just, it gets that anger across it you know it unites people it's it, it works mm 
Hmm. But it doesn't necessarily translate no. into English. It doesn't do so. And it doesn't well. translate when you're talking about Canadian, you know, That's right. Canadian government officials. They're saying mad, bad. You know, they're talking about like, and you're kind of like, I don't think this is such a yeah. good idea. The vernacular doesn't work in the same way. Exactly. Uh, it's it's uh, not that you can't disagree with or chant, hard, you know, things about your the Canadian leadership, but. Yeah, I think a better choice of words and, um, you know, definitely doing it more so in English. Those would be some of the things that I've noticed, at least going to some of these protest demonstrations. And lastly, you know, you were talking about um, hashtags and Instagram posts or Mm -hmm. Twitter and this and that. And although I don't disagree with doing that, I think there's other things that we could be doing via, you know, media, (laughs) whether it's social media or otherwise. You know, I think a lot of people living in places like Toronto or LA or wherever else, they could be writing to government officials, they could be writing to news outlets, they could be writing to even bloggers and podcasts Mm. and Mm. things like that, you know, to get that information out there. And that's one of the things that I don't think a lot of people are doing right now, and they should be, because aside from going out, you know, on Young Street or at Mel Aspen Square or Young and Dundas, while all of that is great, there's other things we should be doing as well. Okay. Um, I, I don't know if you, anybody would disagree with the last part, you know? Yeah. Let's do as much as we can. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't even, you know, I mean, I think it's great that there's a lot of people who clearly haven't been involved in political protests or this kind of activism or whatever before. I, nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Things could be better organized. Yes. But, I mean, maybe <laughs> yeah. that takes time. Shai, you were at one on, yes, on Friday yes. as well. Actually, it was the first time I went to one of these protests outside of Iran. And it was an interesting uh, like, uh, experience and also observation. Like, mm-hmm. um, it, it was interesting. But what I, I feel that it could be like practice more. Um, mm-hmm. Like people, they cannot... Uh, sing together mm-hmm. like all, all the rhythm is like uh, <laughs> well, there's really. also 10 even, different chants even, going on at once yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah that's kind of bothering even when they clap at the like uh, after one minute mm. all, it's all the rit- rhythm is all all over the place and <laughs> but i mean it but the crowd was really the musician huge. yeah <laughs> i don't like the fact that they went to the f minor when they were singing the <laughs> i mean like can we just like for a second fucking great that people i'm oh, so when i see these first. videos of like berlin london oh, yeah. you know wow. san francisco vancouver our brothers yeah. and sisters of vancouver put us to shame i mean the thousands yeah, of people wow. outside of the vancouver art gallery that it's amazing cool. yes that is really ins- you know as uh, the focus is iran and the folks in iran on the street in iran but seeing the diaspora step up this way yeah. that's great and let's not yes. for a second take anything no, away from the, the yeah. people who are organizing these protests, even here in Toronto. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the, um, Can I say something about the tone uh, of the protests? And, and I was trying to allude to it in my little opening here, which is that there were times, like in one of the protests I went to, there were times where it felt like team, like, I don't want to say team Melly because that's a whole other, but it felt like we'd won the World Cup. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Iran, the flags, mm-hmm. and everybody was... Uh, you know, it was it was as I used the word celebratory almost, mm-hmm. uh, and that felt weird to me. Not that we shouldn't be uh, in the diaspora feeling the energy that comes from seeing so many people come out to these things, but 
it's a really, really dark situation in Iran. Yeah. People yeah. getting yeah. killed on the streets. And, and like we say, th- this is likely, not even possibly, it's likely to get a lot worse as mm. the crackdown gets more brutal. So, so I, I don't want to take any excitement away from anybody, but that was one thing that I mm-hmm. felt watching kind of, or being at it, you know, it felt like uh, there, were, there, were, there were moments where it felt like, there, you know, we're at... Uh, a, a Noru's gathering mm-hmm. or something, you know. There was yeah. so much, and I can only feel I, I, I feel like a, some of it is pent up energy. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like uh, it's like we got you know, get let's get out there and do something, and and that's coming from a really good place. But yeah. that's why I think the language is so important, and and that's what I was you know saying a little bit earlier is, you know, we should be using our chants and our slogans to talk about what's actually happening. So talk about not necessarily just that we want the dictator dead or we don't want, you know, Mm. I I don't know if that's the right choice of words. Like say her name, for example, much better choice of words. It brings Mm. awareness to what actually happened. It's a hashtag that's trending. People can search it, you know, as as someone who's even walking by and listening to this or overhearing this, that's something that is going to stick with them. They might go home, search it, figure out what's going on. So I think it's really, really important what it is that we're, what message we're sending when we're at these protests or demonstrations. Yeah, I, I I was really fascinated. I mean, th- I have to say that I was really fascinated by the crowd. It was huge. Yeah, and uh, and you know, it was very sad for me. I am so traumatized by police in Iran that mm-hmm. when I saw like pol- the, 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 there were some police there and it freaked you out. Oh yeah, I was like, oh, not gonna be on the t-shirt, you know, and mm. so yeah. 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 Yeah, the the desire of people to want to help, to to reach out across the water, across the continents, and 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 say we're here, mm-hmm. we we want to help you, we want to do, we want to get on our shoulders. If we, I mean, it's that's a that's a beautiful thing. Yes. Uh, there's 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 no doubt about that. And um, you know, one of the things that is is amazing is how quickly mobilization can mm-hmm. happen. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, this is like. Uh, again, we're we're only like what nine days into this, and and uh, yes. or ten, or I don't know. Uh, but uh, but you know, the Iranian community is galvanized. Mm-hmm. Again, Western media is slowly catching up, and Western leaders are yeah. finally um, uh, not just sending off a tweet, but trying <laughs> to. So I mean, we're going to talk about a few things on this show. We've got uh, like a diversity of folks, as I say, coming up about uh, to talk about how we can play this supportive role. I should say that. This afternoon here in Canada, the Prime Minister announced um, that Canada is going to put place sanctions. This is presumably in reaction to you know a mm-hmm. bunch of people mm-hmm. calling out the Prime Minister saying, "Come on, we need something. Mm-hmm. You need to make take action here." Uh, placing sanctions on individuals, some individuals, uh, we don't know who, <laughs> and and sanctioning the the Iran's so-called morality police. <laughs> I don't. I really don't know what that means. Yeah, me neither. Sanctioning I, the morality police. What? What? So yeah. I mean, Dr. Reza Moridi is going to be here. You know, a former MPP, and I'll we'll ask. I'll ask him. But I, I. This is the kind of thing that I fear is almost feels laughable a bit. Like mm. you know, and and makes people more angry. Kind of felt disingenuous. I thought. Like, what? What does that even mean? It, it was almost one of these things where, oh, we're doing something, but not really. Well. Yeah, like, well, thanks for sanctioning the morality yeah. police that like, everyone that? Ag- agrees is an insane bullshit thing, mm-hmm. you know. 
But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what's. Maybe I'm missing something about the import of these sanctions. Maybe I, I, I need to. Uh, I mean, I didn't more. get it either. So. Um, all right. Any more com- complaints about the demonstration, Spanga? It, it wasn't complaints, <laughs> I, and that's the thing. I was going to say actually before you know we we end there and uh, everyone comes at me you. for uh, yeah, yeah, for you know saying yeah. these things. I have to say, um, going to these demonstrations, um, obviously huge sense of pride for the fact yes. that you know Iranian Canadians have stepped up the way they have, mm. um, and also I mean it, there were so many times throughout it that I even got emotional. Mm. at you know the the unity and and the solidarity and the love that we have for each other as mm-hmm. as Iranians so um you know i mean i'm not taking a you know like no, i'm no, not no, against no, no, no. Gotta, what I mean, everyone is doing we, but if, we, if we only sit here and uh, offer platitudes yes, we're not doing exactly any help. There's, there's we're trying to be constructive right you're trying to say something constructive. that's right and and one of my biggest things about this is everyone should do what's within their skill set and Part of my skill set is I've been in situations like this. I know some of the things that can go wrong in demonstrations, and potentially this will help. Yes, she's a big guy. We, uh, you know, we started Rook Media. I, this, I had this. My hypothesis was that there's Iranians around the world who feel a connection to each other, and regardless of how long they've been away from Iran, regardless of the geography, regardless of their generation, to a certain extent, they feel a, a, a connection, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and we've been saying for the last two and a half years, this show and the audience that we have, which is international, and is is bearing that out. Is bearing out that the hypothesis is 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 no longer a, a question. It's mm-hmm. it's actually we see it. We see we live it every day doing this program, doing our programming. But you, you think about what we're seeing right now. Think about the connection that Iranians around the world have yeah. to Iran and to each other. Like how apparent that is, mm-hmm. how universal this is right now. Even the calling out, everybody going, we everybody needs to be in on this. Let's That's go, right. you know, uh, and and this includes people who've been outside of Iran for decades, mm-hmm. right? Yes. It's um, it's really profound. Wow. We, you know, r- say what you will about, uh, and sometimes I have this debate with you, some Iranians in the diaspora who say, why do you care so much about being Iranian, or who cares about Iranian culture, or, you know, it's, and they've really sort of ostensibly moved on, you know, we're in the West now, or mm-hmm. whatever it is. You cannot take this out of our DNA. That's right. We feel, people are feeling this, mm-hmm. you know, and to see at these demonstrations, um, young and old mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and you know people who just come recently and people who've been here for decades yes. i mean it's it's fucking inspiring yes. you know because there, there really is a connection that people feel mm-hmm. around the world and and there really is a desire to see change come and to to play any role we can mm-hmm. if this is the moment how can we play that role and i know that everybody coming on this program today uh is in that camp of mm-hmm. of how can you know, how can we help? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no magic answers, you know, uh, and some of this stuff will seem elemental to some of you listening who are following everything really, really um, closely, but um, we'll do our best. So uh, thank you, Smart Pega, Groovy Shia. We'll see you at the end of, of this. I know we're going to bring in our first guest into the Rook studio. So you want to play some transition music or something <laughs> while I do this? <laughs> um, 
Kaveh Shahrouz is an Iranian-Canadian lawyer, a human rights activist. Uh, he's written widely on human rights issues and international affairs. He is a senior fellow with the Macdonald Laurier Institute's Center for Advancing Canada's Interests Abroad and a former senior policy editor on human rights uh, to Global Affairs Canada. He, he obtained his degree in law from Harvard Law School. He led a recent successful effort to convince Canada's parliament to recognize the 1988 massacre of political prisoners in Iran as constituting crimes against humanity under international law. And right now, Kaveh Shahrouz joins me here in the Rook studio. Hello, sir. It's very good to be with you. Nice to see you again. I, I want to I want to talk to you about next steps for those of us in, in the diaspora. But uh, let me first ask you how you've been feeling over the last couple of weeks because you tweeted, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, you tweeted something last week like, I've been waiting for this my whole life. Tell me what, what that means. I've been, like a lot of people my age, I'm 41 years old. Um, I'm a child of the revolution. I was born right after the revolution. And my life has been deeply affected by you know, the Islamic Republic. Um, I've had family members um, imprisoned, tortured, executed. My childhood was spent going from prison to prison to visit relatives and seeing tortured family members. Um, my immigration, obviously, um, is due to the situation in Iran. So I've been waiting for this for a long time, um, wanting to see a day when people are out in the street and demanding a new regime. So, the f- I mean, waiting for this, there the seems to be an implication that you believe this is the time. The, is, is that what you think? Um, I think this is the beginning of the end, whether or not it's these particular protests, and I hope it will be, um, or some near future protest, yes. I, I think the, the Islamic Republic is on its way out. Can I just say as a sidebar, and it's germane to the conversation about what we what we should be doing um, in the diaspora, I said this at the top of the show, but I, I, I worry a little bit about too much optimism or the almost celebratory atmosphere I've seen at some of the protests, you know, uh, because um, inevitably I feel like it's going to get worse before, even if we get to the promised land, um, the, the crackdown is going to be more brutal. It's going to be, there's a, there's a lot of really horrific stuff ahead, yeah. right? So it's, I, I'm trying to, I don't know, manage expectations or temper any kind of optimism. Where are you on that? No, I'm, I'm glad you're doing that. I try not to get ahead of myself. Um, you're absolutely right. I mean, there is no limit to the cruelty and brutality of this regime and they will unleash it to survive, certainly. Um, but I think this is the beginning of the end. I think um, any semblance of legitimacy for this regime has now fallen. I think the world now knows with certainty that the Iranian people despise this regime and want it gone. Um, so I think it will only be a matter of time. I think, you know, Western politicians from now on will have a hard time standing up and saying, well, you know, we're going to work with this regime. It's just it's just not going to fly anymore. In, if in in previous um, moments of of outrage for the for the diaspora, all ball and uh, even flight 752 uh, maybe a little less so for flight 752 there were people who remained silent um or people who perhaps even supported uh, the regime or, or or made excuses somehow it doesn't feel like that's an option now right like the the, the ground has shifted absolutely absolutely you know that old uh, labor rights song which side are you on i think you got to you got to pick a side now um you know, there are a lot of people that could get away with saying, well, I think the system is bad, but maybe it can evolve over time. So I'm going to you know, hold my fire and not say much. 
it, this regime has proven itself incapable of evolving and reforming. So you are either on the side of the status quo and keeping the regime in place or overthrowing it. So pick a side. What do you, what do you believe, those of us in the diaspora? I mean, it's exhilarating, again, seeing, you know, here in Toronto, thousands of people out of the streets. I mean, that's happening all over the world. At the same time, there's a moment where I sort of go, well, what? You know, how are we? Are we helping? Is this? Are they? Do they know in Shiraz right now that we're out here? And 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 is this the best we can do? What do you think we can possibly do to support the what is happening in Iran? First of all, they know absolutely. They know in Shiraz or Mashhad or even smaller towns um, what's happening outside. They have access. I mean. Despite the efforts of the Iranian regime, they have access to the outside world. Um, I get messages daily from friends and family back in Iran saying, you know, please amplify what is happening. So they're, they're certainly they're acutely aware of it and they want our support. Um, I think there's lots of things we can do. Um, there's specific policy things, and I'm happy to discuss them, um, that we can push our government on. But I think the bigger thing that we have to do is change the mindset of Western uh, government officials, Western institutions, and civil society. Um, you know, there's this concept in political science of the Overton window, the range of policies that are possible. Mm. And until recently, the concept of regime change was thought of as some hawkish, um, you know, outlandish pro-war idea. But I think the Iranian people have made it very clear that they want a change in regime, not from outside. They themselves want to lead it. So we have to push that idea and make the concept of people-led regime change um, acceptable and push it within the so-called Overton window. And when you talk about government officials, look, I, I posted a video last week saying, where's the Western mainstream media? Um, and it's gotten a little better in the last few days, but it's still not really at the top of the agenda, you know? Um, and so people have started asking me, well, you're the media guy, you know, why? what do you think? Why? And one of the things I say is, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, a lot of mainstream media, especially those who write about politics and global affairs, et cetera, um, in some cases, you know, they do take their their cues from what the government leaders are talking about, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you have, in the case of our country, our prime minister or other places, you know, basically all they've done so far is tweet something, uh, we support people in Iran, or, uh, it feels like the governments are saying, well, this isn't that big a deal. So the media takes the cue and goes, well, it's not that big a deal, you know, to at least to the West. Mm -hmm. um, do you agree with that? And, and how do we change that? I, I do agree with that. Well, I mean, I think the way we change it is, first of all, we have to understand why it's happening. I mean, I think, you know, your explanation is a, is a big part of it. Um, there's a couple of problems. One is that the West sees, it does not understand why the Iran democracy movement is important for its own safety and security, right? They think of Iran as a, as a nuclear case that they have to contain. What they don't understand is that the best way of containing that is to get rid of this regime, or at least help Iranian people get rid of this regime, and it benefits everybody. So that's, that's one thing that Western officials need to understand. I think the second reason why you have not heard much in the press is that for I would say the last 15, 20 years, there has been a class of, and I don't hesitate to call them this, collaborators mm -hmm. and Vichyites. You know, the, the uh, Nazi-occupied France was called the Vichy regime, and there were people that collaborated with it. Um, Vichyites in positions of power in media, in think tanks and universities that have been pushing the Iranian regime's narrative. And that's what the Western media has come to believe. They've had an advantage because they've been, you know, presenting their case in smooth, fluent English, and our activists have been talking amongst themselves in Farsi and so on. There's been an asymmetry. Mm. Uh, but we got to push back and we got to actually displace those people and replace them with people that do a better job of actually speaking for the Iranian public. You said that there were some 
policy points that you you don't want to bore us with. But if anybody on this this special edition can talk about that, I, I thought. Well, yeah. well, I mean, that's part of the reason you're here. Sure. First of all, I mean, you're a lawyer. Um, you you've um, taken legal action uh, for 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 in support of Iranians against the regime. Regime. Uh, is there something legally? that can be done uh, to support people in the current situation? There are some legal actions that can be taken. I mean, not to get rid of this regime entirely, but to increase the pressure on them and to um, increase the cost. I mean, that's really what it is, is you have to make it costly to continue to cooperate with this regime, right? So um, there's the PS752 case you mentioned. The entire world, um, all, you know, all those affected countries, including Canada, have said all the right things, but they've been dragging their feet. This is about the flight. The flight, that, that, that yeah, Ukrainian yeah, national yeah. flight, PS752. Well, it's about time that we got off our behinds and started actually taking some action. You know, this case is ripe to go to the um, to ICAO, which is the body that oversees civil aviation. Mm. And more aggressively than that, the International Criminal Court. Now, again, I don't want to bore your listeners with it. it. It will be a challenge to get this to the International Criminal Court for various jurisdictional reasons. But it can be done. We saw it as soon as um, you know Russia attacked Ukraine. The global community came together and referred the case to the ICC. Typically, an ICC case takes years to get before a prosecutor. Um, but it can be done when there's political will. So this is something that this is one of those policy areas that I keep recommending to any official that I talk to. Like, take action. This is this is something that can be done. When people say. Um, uh Write to your local MP. You call up your local, um, I don't know, congressman or whatever. You're, if you're in the states, uh, uh, is that effective? I mean, you you do this is what you do. I yeah. mean, is that is that something that you recommend? Should Iranians around the world be calling their local politicians? I, I think they should be. Um, among other things, I mean, it's not the only thing they should be doing, but uh, I think changing minds and making politicians understand that there is a constituency that cares a great deal about this issue and the vote will, I mean, politicians, I've, I've lived in Canada most of my life, um, and the politicians, you know, show up for Nauru's and they say, you know, Salah no Mubarak, and right. they shake a few hands and they just leave and they continue to do what they do. They have to understand that there's a cost for them not doing the things that we demand of them. And that's, I think, what the letter writing campaign would achieve. Um, any other policy points you want to bring up? Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, the Revolutionary Guard, Sepoy Pastoran, needs to be listed. The United States has it listed as a terror group. Canada's government has committed to listing it. They, they made this commitment two years ago, has taken no action. Where are other countries in the world on this? Because I know we, we often yeah. hear about the states versus Canada, but, yeah. I mean, European countries or Australia? Yeah, or they, they, they have not taken this action. I, I don't really know why, but that, I'm not really familiar with the dynamics of the politics in those countries. Okay. I don't understand why it has not happened in Canada when... We are so directly affected by the actions of the IRGC. I mean, that flight, for example, um, right. and that was the doing of the IRGC. Do you, we are, as a community, as I mean, we, we certainly are doing this show for the last two and a half years, you, you know, you feel it. We are divided, famously <laughs> divided as a diaspora, especially when it comes to politics. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not the moment to talk about what happens next, et cetera. But mm -hmm. do you worry about that? Our divisions? Uh, not anymore, or much less so than I used to. So it used to be the case that we disagreed on the way forward, right? Um, some people would say, let's get rid of this regime. That should be our, our point. Mm. And the divide was that there were others who said, no, 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 let this regime evolve and reform and become better. I think that divide is now completely gone, right? I, 
Um, there are people that, that have different views of what a post-revolution Iran should look like. There are you know, leftists and right-wingers and so on and so forth. And that's fine. I think that's healthy in a, in a democratic polity. Um, but we all agree on the end goal now, which is that this regime must go. So I think those divisions are much less pronounced now than they were two weeks ago. Um, yeah, well, I, I think that, that there is a, there's a certain sense of unity, but um, there's also, you go to a protest and mm -hmm. there's still a lot of different slogans yeah. being chanted, yeah. right? No, that, I think it's healthy for different slogans to be chanted. You, know, you some do? People, yeah, I mean, look, it, it's healthy for those disagreements to exist. It's not healthy for people to, you know, start fistfights on the streets mm. of Toronto. Mm. Um, people can disagree on whether Iran should be a republic or a monarch or a constitutional monarchy. They can disagree on whether Iran should be more left-wing in its orientation or right-wing. Um, at the moment, though, and, and those are things that people in Iran can decide ultimately in due course when this regime has been mm -hmm. overthrown. I think a referendum, for example, would be a great thing for us to push for. Once you get rid of this regime, then you can begin to have those conversations peacefully and within kind of a, a democratic system. What would you like to see at the, I mean, certainly with something that people can do and have been doing uh, around the world, uh, including here in Toronto and Vancouver, et cetera, is getting out on the streets uh, mm -hmm. to, sh to, to bring awareness and show support for those in Iran. What would you like to see uh, at the protests? I, mean, I don't mean this as a, mm -hmm. uh, Kava is the, the grand master, but, but you know, in terms of, um, um, do, do, you, do you like when people get aggressive? You know, what happened in London with the embassy? Yeah. Uh, is that a good thing? I, I, I was kind of thinking, well, it did bring attention, you yeah. know, it got the, finally got the, what the media woke up. Yeah. But on the other hand, uh, you know, uh, here in Toronto, I mean, at one of the protests I was at, people were stopping cars, like ordinary Canadians driving down the yeah. street, stopping them from, and I was sort of thinking, I'm not sure, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure how that, that helps us, you yeah, know, because because the protest is not about Canada, you right. know, and if it were, I would sort of go, okay, you yeah. know, the government has done something here. We're stopping cars to bring attention. Yeah. This, for those who, for, for whom it seems remote, might seem like an action. So again, I love the enthusiasm, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I, fe I fear, especially with the young folks, Kaveh, they're watching what's mm -hmm. happening in Iran. They're amped up. Yep. They're angry, yep. and so they're they're thinking, "I'm going to go torch a car." And yep. it's like, "Well, that but the car in Toronto is not the issue right now, right?" Yeah, yeah. I think that's an excellent question. I've been thinking about that a lot in the last few days. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, about the ethics of protests and the you know what is permissible um, when you are on the cause of justice. And I firmly believe that the protesters are on the cause of justice. What is permissible for us to do? Um, that's a difficult philosophical question to answer, but I think we can even dispense with the philosophical question and think about it pragmatically, right? Think about the optics of ordinary Canadians, Americans looking at the television screen and seeing Iranian protesters in Toronto or DC or wherever, torching cars or occupying embassies and so on. It looks terrible. Um, and that's something we ought to avoid. The message that we ought to be sending to the world is that we are on the side of justice and we are on the side of peace. Um, I, I don't want to deny anyone their righteous anger. They're right, entitled right, to right. it. But let's be strategic about it and let's differentiate ourselves optically from the thugs that you know overtook an embassy in 1979 and, and the thugs that beat people up on the streets in Iran. Um, thank you for coming in. Uh, I, I, as a final question, I mean, this, this changes you know, daily. So I, I, um, whatever answer you give me will be out of date in a couple <laughs> of days, but we'll, let's, let's try it. What, what is the sense of what you're hearing out of your friends and, and contacts in Iran today in terms of where we're at with this thing? I think the sense I get is these protests are going to continue. There will be a crackdown. 
undoubtedly. I mean, already there has been a brutal crackdown and 40 or 50 people officially have died. Perhaps the number is much higher. But I think these protests are going to continue. They will ebb and flow. Um, my sense is, though, that people's fear has now faded. People are now open to the idea of getting rid of this regime. People are open to the idea of actually fighting the security forces in the street. And they're open to the idea of coming out and actually shouting death to the dictator, death to the Islamic Republic. These are things that a lot of people hesitated about you know, five years ago. That fear is now gone. So we're going to see good things in the future. Thanks for this cover. Thank you so much. is a Rook special edition, The Uprising, Solidarity with Iran. Let's go to Zurich, Switzerland next. Avin Tavakoli is a lawyer, business advisor, NFT enthusiast, and community builder. She is the founder and CEO of a boutique firm based in Zurich, Tavakoli Advisory Switzerland, where she provides tailor-made solutions and advice to international clients. She was born and raised in a Kurd family in Tehran and pursued her education in Switzerland. Avin Tavakoli joins me from Zurich right now. Hello. Hi, Jean John. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to have you back on the program. Uh, I, I I know uh, you are a Kurdish Iranian. Uh, of course, Masa Amini was a Kurd, and many of the most active voices in the current movement in Iran have been Kurds. Can can you reflect on first of all how you've been feeling for the last few days? The past few days. I mean, now we are on day number nine. It has been feeling like ages, to be honest. I mean, it's, it just doesn't look like days, but um, it has been intense days. And how I've been feeling, I think most of all, most of us um, have been feeling very similar or at least the same. Uh, me, myself, I just felt numb at the beginning until I just started believing that it happened. And then I just got upset and upset and disappointed and devastated every day or let's say every hour as we were um, facing new facts or um, new stuff have been being revealed to to the public. Uh, so this is this is a I would say a crazy, shocking, numbing feeling mm. that is um, pretty indescribable. To be honest, can can I ask you in just uh, parenthetically in Zurich in Switzerland where you are, um, is, is there? I mean, we're seeing protests and uh, Iranians in the diaspora around the world taking the streets. Is that happening in Switzerland? Not actually a pretty large, active, dynamic um, demonstration also on Saturday afternoon here in Zurich, Switzerland, and many people also from other cities of Switzerland joined us, uh, and that was pretty impressive. I mean, for a small, tiny country of Switzerland, that was a big move. And at the end, we were actually um, satisfied with the with the outcome. Of course, the whole situation is not satisfactory, but at least it was a success story that so many people came together and we saw and experienced such an awesome unity 
which is, I think, the name of the game these days. Absolutely. I mean, we've been talking about how we can, how these protests can, uh, those of us in the, in the diaspora who want to support, how we can make them even better, stronger, more focused. It sounds like the one that you attended or the one that you guys had in, in Zurich was all of those things? Yes. Uh, to be honest, I was positively, I was very positively impressed because as I joined also, I didn't know what are we going to expect, you know. I just went because I knew I have to go and that's my duty. But uh, it went in a very awesome way. And I think that has been a great um, surprise and also a very fulfilling uh, hope and heartwarming hope for the majority of Iranian in and outside of the country. Why do you say you feel it's your duty? It is not only about being an Iranian. It is not even be uh, about being a Kurd. First of all, for me, it's about being a human. But to go a little more specific, yes, then it goes down to myself being a Kurd, uh, having Kurdish roots, being a Kurd by identity, being an Iranian, born and raised in Tehran. So I am carrying all of those uh, mm. in my backpack and in my heart. And that gives me that responsibility and that duty to um, to play at least a little role uh, in this whole metrics, you know, because everybody's taking a part in a, in, a, in a different corner or a different piece of this puzzle. And um, it is important to see that we have that duty first and then when we have it, what is that duty and how we can have a significant role. Avin, as you know, the theme of our our special today, this week, is about how we can, those of us in the diaspora, can support. Uh, You you posted an interesting, and I I felt um, appropriately direct uh, video a couple of days ago where you said, the people in Iran, from your view, don't need thoughts and prayers right now. They need action from us in the diaspora. What is the... What's the action that you're thinking of? My call was actually going much further than the Iranians in diaspora. It was going to the whole international community and all my connections are just not Iranian. That's why I posted that video also in English. Um, But my call was call for solidarity and serious action. Because I think not only the Iranian people, but also most of the people in the world, as soon as they face a conflict, a crisis, a problem, uh, then some other like powerful countries or leaders of different countries who have decisive roles in the international communities they are just expressing sadness they are condemning the 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 problem the issues they're trying to send out prayers and say our heart is going out with the people here and there but to be honest when it's about life and death it doesn't matter if my heart goes out with you or not it doesn't matter if I'm sitting somewhere in Zurich and praying for the people in, in Tehran or in Kurdistan. I need to do something. Sitting down there and sending my hearts and energy out or prayers out, that is nice to have, but that's not going to solve a problem. So so what's the action for somebody who's non-Iranian listening in Switzerland right now or listening here in Canada or in the United States or in Australia or in London? What do you want to say to them? What can they do if they want to help? The most actually powerful action for now is spreading the word, raising awareness and having media coverage. Because the first couple of days, I mean, even in Switzerland, I was going mad. The day number five or six, I was every day turning on the TV and sound now today, 
in the late news. Definitely today they're going to talk about Iran. And then I said, day number five, it didn't happen. Right. And day number six, I called my friends. So we need to leverage our community, our connections. For what? For what? I have good friends here in the media and the papers and the TV. These are the days that we can leverage those connections. And of course, they would be happy to do it because that's their, their work and their profession to cover significant, relevant news. And that is, I think, number one thing. I, I don't expect that everyone goes to the to the TV or to the papers. That's not also in everybody's, uh, let's say, power or influence or connections. But each one of us can at least share one video, one photo, one hashtag, one post, one story with somebody. Today, we are living in the world of social media. We are living in the globalized uh, and digitized world. I mean, we just today passed, uh, I think, trespassed 100 million hashtags on Twitter for Masa Amini. Come on, 10, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that could have been a dream. Yeah. But now that's possible. And yeah. that's how, by doing the least possible. When the people there do not have access to internet, do not have access to communication and correspondence channels, that is the least that we can do in a country which is peaceful and at least we have uh, access to internet without any problem. That's the least that somebody can do. You've also, I know you believe that um, everybody should be doing their own part depending on what their field is and not judging others for how they're contributing. T t tell me about that. Gian, something that has been bothering people and sometimes even causing problems or troubles uh, throughout the whole, let's say, past decades of Iranian oppositions or protests or, um, let's say, um, intentions for, to ask for change or to demand change in the country has been that people inside or outside the country or even those who are in the same location, uh, they are judging each other, they are setting false expectations, uh, they are labeling one another, why this person is not doing this, why the other person is doing this not my way and not this way. I think it's not the time now to judge and label one another and not to set, uh, let's say, unrealistic expectation. It is the time that we give each other the freedom to make the impact where we are the best at. Look at you. You are now raising awareness and sharing the voice of the Iranian people by running your podcast. This is a media. This is doing a great deal. Because while the other person, the other young girl or boy who's going in the streets of Tehran and putting her life or his life at risk, at the same time, he or she cannot do this while what you are doing. Mm. So this is, I think, something that we all need to have a, a significant role in, but everyone uh, the way they can. Those Iranians outside of the country, they are the arms of this revolution outside. So we are the voice of the Iranian people outside. If we do not leverage this, uh, their voice can be um, diminished as well. And that's not going to be good. I mean, you're you're a pretty um, international person. Just briefly, because we've been talking about it for the last few days and on this program already, um, why don't you think... Uh, the the um, Iran protests that have involved um, young people losing their lives, young women losing their lives, men losing their lives. Um, why hasn't that been, or why wasn't it on the radar of Western media for the first few days? 
believe it had a lot to do with the um, uh, UN assemblies and also that uh, president of Iran. I don't know if it's correct now to call him president, but um, at least that's the title that he's carrying, mm. that they were invited. And I think the Western countries, they were trying to avoid any kind of uh, disturbance or any kind of issues while they were busy preparing or running those events. Plus, um, which is pretty, which is pretty disheartening in, in and of itself, uh, you know, avoiding confronting the IEC. Yeah, yeah. Correct. But that is, I think, I, I would have understood it on, on a first place, like having a conflict of interest. Say, okay, now shall we cover this one or this one? Now we have already invited this guy, so we cannot say we are now having a um, criminal uh, in our panel, oh. and uh, otherwise we are going to talk like against ourselves or discredit ourselves. So I think there has been probably also some challenges while um, doing. Uh, committing this avoidance or this ignorance but um to myself that would be maybe one of the reasons yes and the other thing is that of course for most of the, the western countries they see middle east as a um how to say as a crisis um scene like a constant crisis right. uh, uh, region so probably w what is also my guess would be that say this is one of those you know, another one of those right. conflicts, Been another there, one that. of those protests. Right. Exactly. And actually, nobody has taken it very seriously the first two, three days, even the local people, even the Iranians, unless it really, really took sh took a bigger shape and a more meaningful um, movement. It is no longer a protest. I mean, people are calling it these days uh, a revolution. Yeah, it definitely feels like something different. Uh, thank you for your time. A final question to you. Um, I mean, I, I know you've been full of emotion like most of us in, in, in the last couple of weeks. You posted a video today saying we shall overcome or quoting, uh, you know, Martin Luther King's famous uh, junior, his, his famous speech. Do, do you believe that? Do you believe this is a time when Iranians are going to overcome this regime? I don't know what is that light at the end of the tunnel, but I'm seeing it. I mean, we were the generation of the Green Revolution, uh, 2009. Yes, we were also full of energy, full of hope, and we were demanding change. But there was a different um, dimension. And we all were somehow not clear whether we are going to get there or not. So it was a huge risk. And unfortunately, as uh, we all know, it was also suppressed. Um, but this time, I think it has taken a new uh, dimension. This generation is not a generation that is asking for like a little bit of uh, beautification and poli poli polishing stuff. They just want to, you know, they, their message is just roots out, roots out. We just don't want this. And I think the Iranian people in conveying their message or setting their expectation and their demand they have never been so clear as they are right now. Avin Tavakoli in Zurich, Switzerland, thank you for this. Thank you too. That was a pleasure. The breath of the morning, I keep forgetting the smell of the warm summer air. I live in a town where you can't smell a thing. You watch your feet. Cracks in the past
This is a Rook Special Edition. The Uprising. Solidarity with Iran. Next to New York City, Sonita Alizadeh is an Afghan rapper and activist and the focus of the award-winning documentary Sonita that followed her escape from Iran and child marriage when she came to the West. In 2015, she was listed as one of the most influential women in the world by BBC, and she now lives in New York City where she attends Bard College. Sonita Alizadeh joins me from New York today. Hello. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for doing this. I, I can only imagine, given your own story, uh, that you've been um, feeling all kinds of emotions watching what's been going down in Iran over the last couple of weeks. Can you tell me what you've been reflecting on? Uh, so as you said, it has been a lot happening, not only uh, in uh, Iran, in Afghanistan, also because what this reminded me of uh, I'm sure uh, more, many people felt the same way that I felt in 2015 when Farhonda was killed um, on the street. And the same thing now. Uh, there's, there are differences, but it happened to a woman in Afghanistan and then in Iran to Mahsa Amini. So it just took me back to many, many years ago. And it's very sad because how many more women how many more children men have to die on the street in the hands of dictatorship in the hands of the taliban for people to really uh come together be one and fight this uh dictatorship and um obviously it's not easy for many of us uh, especially for young people right now, for my friends in Iran, Iranian friends, Iranian uh, Afghan friends, because they feel like they might be next. And if they don't want to be next, they have to be silent. They have to appear the way that uh, Jomuri Islami wants them to look like. Right. So it's, uh, it's very... Um, hard for all of us and we don't want to really live the way that the society or the government has designed for us if we don't want to live the, that way it means that we have to be on the street it means that some other lives might be taken by the hands of uh, iranian government so this is the way to do it because we know that freedom can't be obtained without losing um, without considering that some of us might really risk our lives to stand for freedom, to stand for other women and children and men on the street. Sonita, what do you believe we should be doing in the diaspora to help those in the streets uh, protesting in Iran? So I want to answer that um, the reason that really, one of the reasons that I think Ukraine stole eyes that were on Afghanistan was the fact that many people, countless people, came on the streets and they uh, screamed the name of Ukraine, the name of people, the rights of uh, Ukrainian people. And uh, I feel like whatever the governments the, in the world, they're so selfish. If there's nothing in that, in helping women for them, I feel like they won't take action, but it was 
the appearance of people, demonstrations of people, mm. that it really put a pressure on other governments to even speak about the situation in uh, Ukraine. So I feel like for right now for me, I want to be in the protests that are happening in, uh, in the U.S. or at least in New York. And that's one way for me to really feel like I am doing something. If I'm not right now in Iran or in Afghanistan, I want to be a part of uh, the demonstrations happening in um, New York. And uh, I'm saying that because um, I feel like if the demonstrations don't do much for uh, Iran, uh, for people in Iran, it will definitely encourage people who are trying to go on the streets in Iran, in Tehran, in Mashhad, Isfahan, wherever in, a, in Iran. I feel like it would encourage people that there are um, other people in uh, outside the country uh, that are standing for the same uh, freedoms that Iranian people uh, risking their lives on the streets for them. So when they see us, when they hear us that we are on their side, it would actually give them more, more energy, more reasons why they should continue this fight that they have started. Sonita, there seems to be this um, confluence, this uh, paradox of feelings that we're all experiencing, uh, or those of us who, uh, certainly those of us of, of Iranian descent right now, as we watch this go, go down, or, or, and as we try and participate and support from afar. On the one hand, it, it's just horrific and devastating to, to, to watch people getting killed, and, and, mm -hmm. and the, in fact, just the whole story of the, you know, the, the bullshit morality police and all of this stuff uh, is, is devastating. On the other hand, there's exhilaration, um, and um, I dare say excitement at the level of um, strength that those courageous souls in Iran are, are demonstrating um, on the streets, especially young people, young women, young men. Uh, tell, tell me about those emotions for you. Are you personally angry or are you hopeful? Um, hmm. I think I, it can be both, but it's more hopeful because of the appearance of people on the street. And right now they, they realize actually, and they're going to realize even more that sitting in, in the house, it might uh, protect them, but it would not protect their dreams, protect their dignity. So to see them risking their lives and coming, joining other young people, it actually gives you a really good feeling that they're more awake today. You you spoke, I understand, in New York. Um, you were speaking to a European Council or something, and and you you did a, a you spoke about the situation in Iran. Um, what what did you say? So they were basically asking me what my message is for women in Iran, women in Afghanistan. And I told them that at this harsh situation, women in Iran, women in Afghanistan, they don't re really need a message from us. What they need is action. And I told them because they have heard a lot from us. And Afghan women, they were um, 
many promises were made to them. And what happened today? They're left alone to fight the Taliban. I said, this situation, we really need action because showing up is enough, talking is enough. It's not the time for telling stories. It's time for us to do something, to take action. And by mean, uh, I mean, usually they come to New York for General Assembly. And most of the time you hear them talking about the same issues at the same level as nothing, no progress has been made. So it makes me really upset, angry all at once because um, world leaders, they have to really recognize all these human rights violations happening and take action even if it's not going to benefit them or their nation. Just do it because we want to live in a safer and better world. I feel like it's getting, um, the, the coverage is getting better, but I, I posted a video at the end of last week saying, where is the Western mainstream media on, on Iran? Because it just seemed like there's there's nothing and there's people being uh, killed in the streets. You were you were speaking to that a moment ago when you were mentioning Ukraine, et cetera. What, what do you think it is that that leads the West, whether it be Western leaders or Western media, to not be saying more about a situation like this in Iran or Afghanistan, for that matter? From my own uh, experience and what happened to Afghanistan, I feel like, uh, and also what happened to Ukraine suddenly went viral and everyone was on the street um, holding Ukrainian flag, and most of them forgot about Afghanistan. I feel like it's because they think Afghanistan or Iran, it's, a, it's an outsider. It's not a problem that would definitely affect them. That's why they don't tend to um, talk about this, uh, the issue. That's why they don't really want to be involved in what, whatever is happening, even if the yeah, innocent people are being killed, children being killed. It doesn't matter. As I said, they're selfish and they only uh, would take action if it's going to affect them directly. So they want to know if the people that they're helping, if they're one of them. And Ukraine, it seems to be more like European countries, America, or their ideology. And that's why Afghanistan, Iran has been left alone somehow. A final question to you. I, I, you are famously, of course, from Afghanistan, although you lived in Tehran, in Iran. Uh, tell, tell me if you can, if you have a sense of it, how, about how this current movement in Iran, uh, and I suppose around the world in support of uh, the protesters in Iran, is being seen in the Afghan community. Most of my friends from Afghanistan, they're actually like, uh, uh, they're being even more encouraged looking at Iranian people and uh, looking at what they're doing, risking their lives for what they believe in. Um, so it's an act of bravery for all of us. And I really, I feel like most of us in Iran, Afghan people would definitely join the uh, other people on the streets because it's not only them that were affected by um, um, Jumuri Islami because when I was in Iran, I don't remember the exact year, I was also arrested because of my hijab. And for me, it was so difficult. They kept me 
they didn't keep me for a long time, but for the hours that I was there, they were keep talking about deporting me. Even though at that time I was alone, I didn't really have anyone in Iran. And if I would go back to Afghanistan, it would be another level of risk for me. So um, they wouldn't let me speak, first of all, because I didn't have ID with me. And I said, I'm an undocumented refugee in, uh, in Iran. And they treated me really, really uh, bad compared to other women that were there. Obviously, they treat everyone like trash. And if someone who was uh, with an ID and she worked with the previous government of Afghanistan, if she wouldn't come, I would be deported. I don't really know what could have happened to me. But anyways, I was lucky enough that she came and she rescued me somehow. And because of that reason and many other um, unfair treatment for uh, Afghan people, Iranian people, whoever I witnessed, I feel like uh, today I would be in the front line with other protesters in Iran. But obviously, since I'm not there, what I can do is to encourage my other friends to be the voice of Afghan Iranian people that are fighting in Iran right now fighting the oppression. So right now my tool is uh, my social media and also speaking at other different events that I feel like if I speak this uh, about this issue might make a difference. So that's what I do. Sonita, I really appreciate you and it's good to have you back on the program. Thanks for taking the time and thank you for your wisdom. Thank you so much. You have a good day. Bye-bye. We go Kambi's Hosseini as an Iranian American political satirist, actor, TV, and radio host, a monologist, and a human rights advocate. He is the host of Paradox, a podcast series that airs on Radio Farda. Kambi's is known for co creating and hosting the TV show Parasite from 2009 to 2012, and he was also the host of the satirical news program Politique. He is the recipient of the Reporters Without Borders User Award, which honors individuals advocating for freedom of expression, and he has been featured in and on many media outlets around the world. And right now, Kambis Hosseini joins me. Hello, sir. Hello, Jean. How are you, man? Well, I'm, uh, you know, I'm of mixed emotions. Uh, we have talked over the weeks uh, about doing a fun segment together, 
And, um, you know, that's not something we're going to do anytime soon because there's far more important things uh, happening. And um, I know this has been a mix of emotions for you. So let me start there. Um, sure. You know, because we're, we're going to talk about what you think. Um, I want to hear your voice on on what you believe we should be doing in, in the diaspora to support those brave souls in Iran right now in the streets. But first of all, how have you been doing for the last couple of weeks? Uh, like everybody else, um, all the people um, that they're not in Iran and their heart is in Iran, you know, we feel the void. Um, I feel a little bit lonely, to be honest. I've, uh, I'm like online 24-7. My art, eyes are hurting. Um, my body's weak and I'm, I'm just following the news. Um, I cry with every uh, videos that I see. And... Uh, and basically try to do my best to be part of this from from outside of Iran. When I talk about mixed emotions, we've been talking about this uh, a little bit on this program so far, but I mean, there's, um, you know, there's this weird combination of, of horror and sadness at what's happening in Iran. At the same time, inspiration and exhilaration at the mm. strength and nature of these, especially the young folks who are out there defying a regime that they were born into. Um, t- tell me about that. How do you navigate those those two feelings? Well, well, even though I feel sad, but I don't think that this is a sad movement and there is no time for sadness. I, you asked me for my honest feeling, I just um, told you. But I don't think people are sad that much. We, we, I mean, I'm sad and lots of people are sad because of um, uh, all the people that uh, got killed on the streets, and all our, uh, you know, sisters, mothers, and brothers, and and all those people. I mean, it, it, one one killing is one too many, and um, that that's the sad part. But there is uh, there's a hope in what we see um, right now on the streets of um, everywhere in in Iran, and uh, that is that the nation in Middle East are rising. Um, to defend the women in Iran, and um, if if this succeed, if this movement succeed, we would be the first nation in Middle East that um, uh, rised for a very very progressive cause. Mm. And I'm and I'm I'm at the same time at the same time of that sadness that I was talking about. I'm very proud um, uh, to 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 be Iranian these days. Hmm. You you texted. We texted back and forth about a week ago, and you said, "I knew this time would be different." Tell tell mm-hmm. me what that means. Look, I uh, I basically covered all the um, protests since eighty um, eight, and I um, um, I was part of the newsroom. Um, I did the show the Parasites a um, long time ago. In '88, and after that, years after year, that we saw what happened in Iran, all the protests. So I'm basically like I know the characteristics of uh, this kind of stuff. When you see um, people like Ali Karimi or or people who are basically were in the middle of us and them mm. um, uh, inside Iran, all the, all the um, artists who came out and talked talk about and, uh, the protestants and, and it uh, uh, um, supported them when you see that these people came out um, you see that uh, there is a that gray area between us and them are, are, are is, is getting narrower yeah know? yeah and 
right now lots of people are just talking about unity stay united and the old grunges are are going away and uh, which is nice to see in terms of this being different mm. um you know first of all like women be in front that's it mm. that makes it different you know this is this is a woman um revolution just uh, um um there's this uh greek play you know by aristophanes i think uh, i forgot the name that the women are um, um you know there's there's war between spartas and and um i think athens and I, my memory is not is not helping right it's now okay. but what happened what happened in this war is that women start stop having sex with their husband in order to stop the war and the war stopped so that this is the power that we're talking about you know so um, um that being said women being in front of this this movement this basically is a unique unique movement yeah, throughout this year very powerful and but uh, when you talk about unity especially in the diaspora i'm less optimistic that that's a reality anytime soon do you are do you do you really feel that do you see yeah, that yeah i you know i basically don't like people who want to hijack the movement and put themselves in front of it and say how oh, we're we're the leader and, mm-hmm. you know that that's why i don't like to give interviews man uh in times like this um this is the first time i'm doing it um uh, in the last couple of weeks you think doing an interview uh, makes it sound like you're trying to uh, yeah you're t- it's just that you know everybody knows what to do i mean i uh, people you know in outside of iran they know what to do i don't you know when, when you start when you start talking mm. and some people like maybe uh, taken the wrong way i mean on top of that there are people who think and believe that they're the leaders and they yeah. give interviews and acting like the leaders too that's uh, and and i think this time around we should just put this you know put you me and secondary and put the, the cause and the movement first here here and i don't well, want but, but, no, but when I you say everybody no, knows what we should do tell tell me what should we do like look, i mean that's still, that's we're, part we're, of it right because people mm. i'm sure write to you they certainly contact me and say what should we do so well, everybody so, knows i mean everybody has a capacity of doing something mm. if you uh, the, the thing is the, the 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 point is don't stay still do something i mean if you can't uh go out and organize something if you can't if if you cannot contact your representative if you can't hold your um uh, government where you're living uh, responsible to to have a reaction uh, or or you cannot organize a protest just sitting at home but say something do something everybody has a capacity everybody knows their own capacity so uh, um people know what to do but if you don't want to do anything then that's that's up to you um do you feel like it's a it's a especially for public people and celebrities and iranian you know i don't know uh, people that uh, famous people or whatever do you think it's an option to not do anything anymore it feels like i mean, I mean it's this not- is this is the this is as as folks have said on this program so far i mean this is the moment where you got to pick a side if you if you haven't done that know, already yeah. you know it's uh it's, it's i know but at the same time uh, you know i i don't believe that i don't believe in that you know like i said the image of celebrities coming out and saying hey look at me uh, I'm I'm supporting right, this right, and that. Right, it's right. Uh, it doesn't work anymore. I mean, 
um, I don't think if, if anybody cares that Justin Bieber supported Iran's movement or Kim Kardashian did they, this, mm. this and that. Um, I don't think their face, their, their status is, is, is important anymore. Um, I think the cause, I mean, the thing is, if, if, if you the don't think it's important that Abby showed up in New York I and I mean, I'm really, I mean, you know, I, no, I mean, it, it, it is, but everybody knows. I mean, Abby can, he's been doing it for years. I mean, the thing is, Abby, me, you, we are all citizens now, we're all just part of the, the mm. thing right now, mm. so we are second. Um, the cause is first, the movement is first, and and well, even well, even, well, if, well, if, if, even if even well, if we're definitely um, secondary to the actual brave people who are the folks yeah. in Iran, right? Yeah, uh, th yeah. That's that's the part where uh, um, even you know when when folks start calling people you in, know the, what in the like diaspora courageous, I think yeah. well, that's not the way, you yeah, know. Yeah, you know what I don't like about this is because all these people when you when you when you bring up names, mm. there are lovers and haters yes. there are people who yes. do, like for, people don't like the taste of my humor or, or people don't like you yes. if you come and support something which is you know 80 like 100 million hashtags of mass i mean yes there. yes so uh, that's that's what i'm talking about yeah yeah i i hear you we should come we should step aside and uh, uh, let the movement go forward and we just need to go and support it and just go on with it and well you're still doing your show aren't you yeah, 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 yeah. So you're not, you're gonna, you're, you're, you don't, don't mean step aside much. by not doing a show. No, 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 no. It's just, I, but I don't come out and say, hey, people, look, follow me uh, mm. and say, do what I say. Mm. You know, I, I have a show. I have a weekly show. I, you know, that's not going to, that's, that, that's my contribution, you know. I don't think that, I don't think I, you should tell people what what they should do, but I think it's really important that your voice is out there. It yeah, it, yeah, it helps yeah, sure. to. I mean, I think everybody's voice should be out there. Uh, sure. You know, the the, the br voice thing. I think it really should be everyone's yeah, yeah. everyone's <laughs> voice. Listen, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about um, because it, it it's germane to this conversation about the the, the diaspora. What the, this thing with Team Mali? You've been huh. um, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you've yeah. been actively sort of mm -hmm. uh, calling this out. What what is the what is your or can you synthesize the issue for those who don't follow Look, you? I'm, I'm a football fan, and um, throughout years, I, um, I have many friends in Team Mali, many, many good players are my friends. Not not this current squad, but, uh, you know, I'm the old generation, so, and um, and I'm a football fan. Mm. And what's, what is it about Team Mali is that um, it, it's the only um, time that you see left right up down everybody in 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 the spectrum of iran politics or opinion whatever you have if when team league scores everybody's happy yeah so it doesn't matter if you're Khamenei or you're Reza Pahlavi or everybody is happy, right? I don't, I'm not sure if Khamenei will be happy, but <laughs> right. Right. but uh, but no. What I'm saying, even even the those Hezbollahis and all those people, okay, uh, you know. So th th this team doesn't belong to a government. This team or any other team that uh, 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 represents a nation, it belongs to it, it, the name belongs to people. It, the name of the the, the team is Team Mali. It, it it doesn't say the Islamic Republic team. So it's you know like the I mean? people's team. Yeah, it's people's mm. team. So uh, that's why I called um, uh, the the players to just uh, do something, say something, or uh, because th these these people are uh, you know nobody can touch them, and they have this strong coach that uh, basically people. I mean, Kairosh, people think um, Kairosh think people like him because of because of uh, what? Why why they wanted to bring him back? 
because he stood up against um, the federation, against um, all the corruption, and he tried. And people like that. Mm. People like uh, a strong figure like that. But right now, look from yes, but I can but I can kind of sympathize with what they're saying right now in Team Melly. Like we're, we're, we're you know we're a sport team. We have mm-hmm. to focus on our own thing, and we don't have to like lose our focus uh, or anything like that. But at the same time, how could you ignore? Um, like what do you want right them now? To do? I was just, want how could you ignore? Like by right now, like a minute ago, I was I was reading that eight, like, so far they killed eighty people. Yeah, how could you ignore that? Well, that's we don't know. It could be a lot more than that. That's I mean, yeah, who, but who this knows, is like right? the, the yeah, official yeah. sort of yeah. But 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 what, what do you want the the players on uh, of Team Ali to do? I mean, Sardar Azbun just like one story, man. How you know he he posted one story and basically. They, uh, the, the, there's there are rumors that he's. He, I mean, but first of all, he deleted it, yeah. And then uh, there are rumors that he cannot. Um, they're, they're gonna. There are rumors that they're saying he's injured and he cannot play in tomorrow's game. Mm. So um, yeah, but support, say something, do something. Maybe they, they do. I don't know. Maybe tomorrow in the game, after somebody scores, he's gonna pull up his shirt and you see Master Zamini's picture mm. on, underneath. It, you know? But you, I don't you, know. You, I'm just trying to clarify. So you, a moment They're ago, a mo- a, a, like I said, a moment ago, the, you were the, saying you don't you don't care if celebrities speak out necessarily. No, this is this is but like the, a, these guys I, are I more important than that. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, because this this like I said, this team is the only they unify uh, us. unifying. Right, you know, right. yeah, yeah, that's what we need right now. You know, we have to be unified. We have to put our uh, differences on the side, and we have to know that we have a common enemy, and that's like an Islamic Republic um, that oppressed people for for forty some years. That's that's our common enemy right now. Do you? Um, I, I mean, do you think that it's worth people? And again, I'm sticking with this point of how we can support, right? So we know the demonstrations. Mm-hmm. We know we can say things on social media. Is is there? Um, is it worth it? You, you, you've lived in New York for many, many years. Do you, do you think people in the states should be writing their local Congress people or always, the, the, always? I mean, like I said, just don't stay still. Do something, and whatever you think you can do, do it. I don't know what you can do, but you know what to do. <laughs> Definitely, mm. you know what to do. You can tweet. You can go on Instagram. You can go on Facebook. You can talk to your neighbor. You can um, write an op-ed for your local paper. Um, I mean, you you can do a lot of things. Mm. You know what to do. I mean, that I don't like to tell people what to do, but they know what to do. Do you feel most 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 people like Iranians? They're like very educated outside of Iran and successful and smart and. They don't need me to tell them what to do. Hey, hey, everyone needs a coach, man. Even the best players yeah. in the world need not a coach. Not me. No, I'm, I'm, uh, only coaching the, I'm, in, I'm only coaching a youth team, uh, football team here. That's it. That's, do, do, that's do all you, I can do. You know, back to that, that feeling of, um, of exhilaration or mm-hmm. what you called an inspiration, et cetera. Um, there, there is something that, that's been concerning me. I've, I've repeated it a couple times on this program, so I don't, I don't want to go over the top with it. But I do feel like no matter what happens, the worst is yet to come uh, to a certain extent in terms of the way this uh, regime's track record mm-hmm. is of cracking down. Um, yeah. do, do, do you worry about that and, and managing the expectations of people who are all excited in the diaspora? Look, I, I don't like to scare people. 
uh, things uh, are taking course naturally and uh, and people are fed up i'm fed up you're fed everybody's fed up man mm-hmm. and uh, and things are taking their natural courses and uh, and let's see what happens it, it, it couldn't be worse than this that what happened to us in the last 40 years whatever happens cannot be worse than what happened to all these families to us to our hope to my youth to um people people of iran's um basically future it can't be worse than that uh, on a macro level but it, but it, it certainly can be worse in terms of a crackdown that could mean thousands sure. and thousands of lives lost or whatever yeah yeah i mean uh um uh, but i but i hear what you're i would saying. i would know i would never look I, I never told people to go on the street from outside of iran if I were in, in inside Iran, Iran, I would definitely say, "Hey, I'm going. Um, this place, come with me, right?" <laughs> so, but uh, I can't tell people go on the street or mm. stay in front of uh, bullets and guns when I'm sitting outside of Iran under air conditioning. I can't. I can't do that. Have you been sleeping much these days? <laughs> not really to be honest mm. it's, yeah, it's a bit hypnotic I mean, isn't it watching, coffee, watching all that footage the, yeah, the, the, the hard, videos man. and it's, stuff yeah. it's always it's always been hard and it's hard uh, especially when when you see that they're they're chanting um, what you want to chant and the main um, slogan of the, this protests um, the recent protest um, was death to dictator yes if you want to sum it up yes so and that's that's everybody. That's what everybody wants, right? We don't want no dictator in the world anymore, let alone in Iran. Yeah, it's a particularly uh, Middle Eastern type slogan, though. I got. I, I must yeah, say, um, because we have it, do, it doesn't migrate well. <laughs> uh, at one no. of the Toronto protests, they were s- saying something like that, Magbad, uh, about c- Canadian political leaders, and I just thought, what would you say? You'd say um, uh, this person has got to go, you know. But uh, death too is not something that we. But this is system, u- though. It's a, it's not a person. It's a system. Uh, Dictatorship is a system. We don't. Sure, we sure. No, 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 no. I'm talking about in in Canada. I'm talking about uh-huh. when it comes to Canadian representatives. Uh-huh. Um, it, I'm, I'm I'm just talking about the um, the vernacular. The vernacular. I don't like is, Canada. I don't. I don't like Canada, man. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I, See, you did so well for twenty yeah, minutes. Fuck. You were <laughs> you were you were so measured. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean today Trudeau is coming. No, we're going to sanction this and that. Uh-huh. I mean, you became a safe haven for all these motherfuckers. Yeah. You know. Well, first, if you want to do something, kick them out. First of all, if you want to do no, you know what? I'm going to sanction this and sanction that. You, you're basically Argentina for Nazis. What are you talking about? Mm. So, yeah, it, it starts it start from you, your own you, home. You jell to for about 15 minutes and then <laughs> Sorry, it's man. coming out. You, I, could, I tried so hard. I tried so hard. But, 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 but actually, anger. while you're, I mean, that's, that is an, an interesting because we did, we did just report that the news like that. that uh, Move out of Canada, uh, uh, sanctioning, what is that? Sanctioning the morality police. I don't even yeah. know what that means. What, exactly. What, do, what does it mean, I mean to, to Canada sanctions say, the morality police? I really yeah. don't. I mean, I don't understand what. I know that they're saying certain individuals. I guess can't. I don't. I don't know what it means. Yeah. Uh, but um, so he has to come out and say, "What the fuck, morality? What the fuck are you thinking, morality police? What is that?" And yeah. then first of all, we're gonna kick all these motherfuckers out of Canada too. But the, you know, I don't know about Canadian government. You're too nice, maybe. That's what everybody says. 
Reserve judgment on that for for this for the sake of this. Sorry, this uh, You're too the, the focus nice. of You're this too polite. The, too the, polite. The focus of this uh, program. Um, uh, yeah. Kami's thanks. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Uh, man. Thank you and, so much for having me. And I, I know how much you care about this. I know how how much uh, this this is this is eating you up and and yeah, and yeah. also. Uh, um, I know it's in your bones, and 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 I I know that you haven't wanted to do a bunch of interviews. You just do your thing, and you you do yeah, your yeah. show. And so, thanks for coming on here, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, man. Hopefully, this thing. Um, hopefully, we're gonna prevail, and everything is gonna. You know, hopefully, me and you in Iran, we can have oh, a fun man. show. Can you imagine? That'd be really I can hard. definitely imagine. You can. Yeah, of course. There's a I lot can, of steps man. before we get there, but why why do you think I'm alive? How do you think I'm alive? Of oh, this hopes. You take this mm. hopes away from me, I'm a dead man walking. Mm. Thank you, brother. All right. Thank you, John. See you. Say hi to everybody over in the studio for me. Uh, in like the, in the country of Canada that you hate? Yeah. No, no, no. In your studio, the guys. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see. Yeah. We're a separate <laughs> island from the rest of the country. <laughs> <laughs> Love you guys. See Bye. You, Bye. Uh, cheers. special edition of Rook, The Uprising, Solidarity with Iran. Next, we go to Los Angeles. Gelare Shebani is a singer and recording artist who started her music career as an underground musician in Iran. After releasing her first song, she was officially banned by the Islamic government and had no other choice but to leave Iran for good. She started performing in clubs in various venues in different countries, including China, Malaysia, India, and Turkey. Just last month, Gelare played her first performance in the United States at the annual event Let Her Sing, which was held in San Francisco, where she shared the stage with nine other female vocalists. And right now, Gelare Sheboni joins me from Los Angeles. Hello. Hi there. How are you doing? Uh, thank you so much for doing this. How how are you doing? I, I I understand dealing with the the bullshit of the morality police in Iran is not something unfamiliar for you. What emotions have you been experiencing as you've seen the story of first Massa Amini and then the subsequent movement it has inspired inside Iran over the last week and a half? It's really overwhelming because uh, to me personally, a lot of things has happened uh, uh, since I was living in Iran. And even when I'm 
out of Iran all these 15 years, 10 years, 15 years. But um, what I feel is mostly rage. And uh, I'm very emotional and vulnerable. I try my best to be smart because I keep telling myself it's a war, it's a revolution, it's a movement. So I have to move not emotionally and uh, step um, wisely. And uh, but um, I'm really overwhelmed. I'm very angry, and I'm really I've, I've we've had enough. This mm. is my feeling mm. that we've mm. had enough, and it, there's an end to it. This is the end for it. You know. When you say, um, I'm going to ask you about your, your ideas and, and, and the actions in terms of what the those of us in the diaspora can do to, to help the sisters and brothers there in, in Iran, but, but um, when you say you're filled with rage, um, even when you say that, I'm so angry, what, what comes to mind? Um, what is it that really, really fuels that rage? You know, it's not one thing. It's a lot of things that has happened uh, through during all the years of my life growing up in Iran and then getting banished um, out of Iran because I was arrested as a singer in Iran 10 years ago and I could never go back to Iran. Even I couldn't go back to my father's funeral, which was four months ago. And it was really, really sad for me. And a lot of things personally has happened for me. Mm. And because I'm a woman, and on the top of that, I'm a singer. So this has been double for me all these years. So all the things that is happening these days, I feel that um, it's the only way is that it's so beautiful that all the people has waken up and women are, you know, uh, mm. moving um, a lot, moving ahead of everybody. And now all the men also, they're moving with women. It's so beautiful. And I think it's about time that something changed. First of all, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad um, uh, four, four months ago. And, and that is um, horrible that you couldn't uh, go and visit him. Many of us are in this position of not being able to uh, travel to Iran. Um, when you said a moment ago that you thought you implied that this time is different, this time you feel like it's the end, you said, um, uh, why, why do you feel that? How do you see things being different this time? I always have believed in uh, the new generation. My best friends, they are 18 years, 20 years old right now. Really, I call them for advice and i really believe in the new generation they are fearless and they know what they want and they don't like anybody to take advantage of them and they are not afraid of that i think this is the thing that they are doing this and they are so balanced and they know exactly what they want and we are just uh, you know behind them actually mm. so this is why it's different and they don't want to go through all the uh, drama that we went and tragedy that we were we've been through in our lives so i respect them and i just applaud them you know i love this that you I, I, I love that that you're saying that and that that the folks who've said you know these these people in iran kids a lot of them you know youth teenagers etc in iran they don't need leadership from the outside they are leading they know how to lead and and let me ask you a question that might seem, uh, I, I, I mean, forgive me, uh, to, especially folks who are listening in Iran might think this is such a simple or basic question, but but I'm curious about it, I've, and, and let me put it into words. I mean, how, how do you think, let's say an 18-year-old, those best friends that you have, who've been born into and grown up in this kind of a, an authoritarian state, you know, in this theocracy, 
um, how how have they built the strength to actually um, uh, you know uh, not drink the Kool Aid, if you will, not be indoctrinated, to in fact see it for what it is, to want change, all of that. I mean, because the the regime has been pretty set upon you know um making sure the citizens believe a certain thing for 43 years you can imagine someone who lived before that or was a little older or he had a sense of history but but it's amazing that somebody who was born in the 2000s is rising up right now tell me tell me your perspective on that um i think i believe it's the social media and the internet and because uh, this gener this generation uh, let's say uh, when I was 14 years old, I wanted to uh, go uh, to the best singing class in the world, but I couldn't. And this is just an example for mm -hmm. me. But these, this generation, while growing up, they had access to what they want to. So they have the feeling, feeling of accomplishment on those areas that for us, it was just an obsession. You know what I mean? So they're brighter. They know what they want. They can, they, they have the taste of achieving to what they want. That's why they can never go under the um, pressure of, you know, we tell you to do this and you have to do this. For mm. us, it was like this. There was no power that could, you know, uh, stand in front of them. But for this generation, they are not uh, getting, you know, um, how to say, you know, they they just do whatever they want to do. They are fearless. Mm. So this is my uh, perspective. I appreciate that, Gallery. I appreciate that. So, 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 tell me. Um, let's get to the the focus of this this special edition, which is uh, what we can do, how we can support. What is your sense of what those of us in the diaspora can do to to help those people we're talking about who are on the front lines in Iran? I don't have much knowledge, you know, about it. But what I think that we can do, first of all, as an as artists or as people, or um, we can create content to to um, increase awareness all over the world. This is what I believe, and we have to pressure all the country, uh, all the other countries to uh, help Iran at least to get internet. This is very important to have internet and get commun communication with the people who are protesting, who are getting killed right. in the street right, right now. Right. So we have to have the uh, communication with them, and they lead us and and they tell us what they need, and we should provide for them. This communication is the most important, I think. And so, how have you been doing that? Well, to me, um, I try to, um, uh, you know, just inform, get be active, um, repost all the uh, posts and the stories that I get. I'm in touch with the people who go outside they send me some videos i will share i ask my non-iranian friends to uh, you know um, use their platforms and social media to um, you know inform their their own people or their own government about what is going on in iran just create content right 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 tell, tell me you said you're in touch with friends in iran obviously mm -hmm. um many of us have family there and friends there i'm curious yeah. If you do, do, do you hear from your friends, especially now with the the internet crackdown, uh, assuming yeah. you can still be in touch with them, are they aware of the fact that you know where you are in Los Angeles? There was a big rally uh, yesterday. That that yes, that here yes. in Toronto, there's been thousands on the street every day. That what's happening around the world? Uh, 
yeah yesterday i was talking to one of my friends actually and uh, i was telling him like you don't know what's happening in london like everybody's behind you and they're fearless and what they yes they're aware of it but maybe not um, so much because my friend told me when we go out we don't even have time to get videos mm. don't think if if we don't send you videos enough don't think there's nothing going on no we just you know get tired and we sleep and then next day we go out so mm, i think they're aware of it i think they're aware of uh, what is going on in the world and it's so beautiful what i'm seeing really really beautiful what else are they telling you about the um, the protests uh, w with that friend you were just talking about. Where where is he? Is he in Tehran? Yes, he's in Tehran, and he tells me that um, you know it, they are not as strong as we we thought they are. They are so they have fear in their eyes. Mm. Like whoever you see, they have fear in their eyes, and they are not. This is in our head that they are unstoppable it's not like that it's much easier than than you think because wow. they are they we can see fear in their eyes and they are really really fearless these people that i talk with them yeah that is that that is inspiring and that is something that uh, i'm guessing is different from the past where there were this this monolith the, the police the military etc that that no one could penetrate no protester could could you know uh, uh, beat off right yeah, I think for the first time they are thinking, what if we lose, and you know what what's gonna be future for us? I think they're afraid of this, and uh, this is really amazing. Kella, do you, do you on some level wish you were there, and in the streets? Oh yeah, oh of course. You know, I grew up in Iran. All my friends, my family, I, I became a singer in Iran, in, in the street underground of Iran. All my musician friends, all the team, all the brilliant music that I was in the project that I created was in Iran. So to me, getting banished, and of course, I went out of Iran. I tried hard. I always stayed a performer. And that was my job all these years. But I always wish I go back to Iran, especially now. That, I that, really I, but I, I understand that you love Iran. But would you would you want to be there right now? I mean, to actually be amongst the the demonstrators, even with how however dangerous that is. Yes, I would go out. At, definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. Even um, here, uh, I, I'm. It's been a couple of days that I'm in LA. I wasn't so aware what is going on. Even yesterday when I found out that people are outside, I was really upset that I didn't know about it. And, you know, yeah, definitely. But in Iran, yes, definitely. It's very hard to say it, I know. Mm. But if, especially yesterday, it's my father's birthday and he always um, fights, he always did fight for freedom and he taught us to be free. And. If I was in Iran yesterday, <laughs> mm. the emotion was too much yesterday for me. I was crying all day looking at the videos. And I said, I have to do something. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, we've been uh, talking about this, this throughout the program. It's a mix, isn't it, of, of horrible, you know, um, um, sadness uh, at the state of things. And at the same time, if there's a tone to, to our chat for the last 10, 15 minutes, it's been that you sound hopeful and you sound actually quite empowered. Yes, 
because this is the first time that I'm feeling like this. Really, this is the first time that I feel because I see the awareness. And if you look at the history, you know, if if you look at the um, a bigger uh, time uh, period, you can see that this is brilliant. This is what happened. Maybe it's really heartbreaking. Definitely. Yesterday, I was telling my friend that uh, he told me that he goes out every day in Iran. He said, how are you? I said, my heart is torn apart completely. Mm. If all these years my heart was break broken, like every three months, every six months, what this happened, I cannot go back to Iran. I cannot sing here. I don't have a job. But now it's like when I see all these videos, my heart, it's not one heart. It's a thousand mm. heart I have. I think it's you know, torn apart, but still, yeah, I can, I can feel it's different this time. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, hmm. but this is how I feel. Gela Reshebani, thank you so much for making time today, and um, it's good to talk to you, and uh, I, 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 good luck getting settled in Los Angeles. Good place thank to be. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Khodafes. Khodafes. Rook Special Edition, The Uprising, Solidarity with Iran, and our next guest has walked into the Rook Studio here in Toronto. Dr. Reza Moridi is the first ever Iranian-Canadian politician elected to any legislature in Canada or the United States. He was a cabinet minister in Ontario as an MPP who served as the Minister of Research, Innovation and Science and the Minister of Training Colleges and Universities during his 11 years in office. Before politics, he had a 17-year career at the Radiation Safety Institute of Canada, where he was vice president and chief scientist. He also worked in the electrical industry as an executive and in academia as a professor and an administrator. And right now, Dr. Reza Moridi joins me live in the Rook studio. Hello, sir. Hello, Jian, and thank you very much for having me at your show. Always a pleasure to see you. I, these are interesting days. Um, how have you been reflecting on the, the, the current uprising in Iran and the promise it holds and also the brutal actions of the regime in first uh, uh, killing Massa Amini and now many others who are protesting? Well, you know, Jian, I mean, this uprising has been expected. Uh, we always expected that something like this will happen. As uh, you know, as it happened in the past as well, the, uh, the, the Green Movement, as you recall, it was something similar. And in between, there were many, many um, uprisings with different degrees of uh, severity. So this one was also expected. So the only thing was that, you know, we didn't know when it's going to happen. The timing actually was not, nobody could, ex could predict when the timing is going to be, but it was expected that something like this is going to happen. I mean, this regime in Iran, during the 43 years of its existence, it showed that this is an unstable regime. And unstable regimes are going to be disappear either sooner or later at one mm. point. So that, that is what is happening. Is, is this time different? <clears throat> I think this time is different in the sense that, um, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, uh, the 
the, the event was ignited by the killing of a, a Kurdish girl mm -hmm. who came to Tehran to visit their relatives or you know have some time in Tehran for some business and then it ignited the whole the whole community the whole um, you know it's like uh, you know putting fire in a in a in a, uh, in a tank of uh, gasoline it's right. something like that right. the whole uh, the whole society was exploded and of course the society was ready but they needed just for somebody to ignite it and uh, that happened by that uh, young lady I mean, some say this feels, a lot of people, that it much bigger or much more um, to the point and vociferous in terms of the, you know, we're hearing chants like uh, a death to the dictator um, all over Iran uh, that were not as commonplace certainly 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, do, you, do you see this as a, an inflection point? I, th I think so. That that's a difference than the, in, in some of the previous uprisings. The people are now, uh, you know, pointing to the uh, to the head of the of the of the government of the uh, authorities, which is Ali Khamenei, and they call him dictator. And by dictator, they mean him. And in many other chants, people are just naming him um, by saying that uh, you know that uh, slogan. They're calling him Rahbar uh, Al Dangema. Uh, so, so these are these are some of the things they are saying, and, um, uh, and but this time, Jian, uh, I think another characteristics of this uprising is mm -hmm. that, uh, as the young lady was a Kurdish Iranian, uh, it brought uh, Iranians from various uh, ethnic communities together. The regime tried to uh, uh, indirectly, of course, try to uh, bring some kind of conflict between different ethnicities in Iran, particularly in the western part of Iran, among the Turks and then the Kurds, uh, particularly in the, at the western part of Azerbaijan, where uh, the Turks and, the, and, and also, you know, there's a strong Kurdish community over there. Mm. Uh, so, uh, but this uprising actually brought the communities together. Uh, it brought the communities together. Uh, and uh, and among other communities within the Iran, Iran as well. So Iran is now really in this uprising. They show to the regime and also to the whole world that you know though we are from different ethnicities, but we are all Iranians. And if something happens to one of us, either that person is a Farsi people, if a Kurdish, a Turkish, or whoever, uh, the whole Iran is going to react. And that's what's happening now. And it is very very promising. You've you've been in the diaspora for <coughs> years. Um, much of that time, a lot of that time you spent uh, being an organizer, uh, um, a community person, uh, of course, an elected representative for many years. Um, you would know something about organizing in the diaspora. What, what, is it, what is it that you believe we can or should be doing um, here in Toronto, in Ontario, in Canada, all around the world, um, those of Iranian descent, those non-Iranians as well, to support the people of Iran in this moment? I, th I think, Gian, the Iranian communities in diaspora, either in Canada or U.S. or in, in various parts of the world, they have been, um, they have been doing their best in, uh, in terms of supporting the movements in Iran. And we could and we see this, I mean, uh, in, in Berlin, in Washington, D.C., in Toronto, in almost yes. every, every yes. city where a sizable Iranian community uh, exists, uh, the, you could see all these demonstrations and the signs of support to, to the Iranians. So I think this kind of demonstration should, should continue. But along with that, 
uh, the Iranian diaspora in, 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 in the West in particular, uh, they have to get uh, you know, their connections and the contacts with the authorities of the countries where they live um, to uh, explain the situation in, in Iran, particularly um, asking uh, the, uh, you know, the countries such as the US, Canada, and the main major, major Western world uh, countries to, uh, to understand the situation in Iran and to support the Iranian people, mm. uh, to have a dialogue with the people of Iran rather than with the government of Iran because the regime of Iran is not representative of Iranians. So have dialogue with various groups of Iranians. And I think that is one of the messages we should be uh, sending out to, uh, you know, to the leaders of the countries where we live as diaspora communities. Okay, well, that's a perfect segue to ask you about the, uh, as you say, the authorities um, in Canada and actions they've taken or not taken. You know, people are very angry. Uh, Iranian Canadians are are very angry and they want to see action and you know so they they're out in the streets and I've been to the same demonstrations that I'm sure you have where uh, people are calling out the Prime Minister and saying do something do something so so then today Canada announced some sanctions against some individuals we don't know who and against the morality police sanctions against the morality police, the so-called morality police of Iran uh, uh, <laughs> I mean what does that actually mean well I don't know I mean <laughs> Uh, sanctioning pe pe certain people or, or morality police in Iran doesn't go a long way. Uh, I think the sanctions should go uh, top to the top of the you know the leadership of the of Iran. Sanctions should go should be directed towards the uh, Islamic Revolutionary Guard (IRGC). Uh, these are the places where the sanctions should be directed. Uh, and the reaction of governments, including our own government in Ottawa, uh, should be more tangible, uh, should be more meaningful. Uh, just but this say, is your party, right? Uh, um, well, it is my party. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, I mean, do you have, do you, have you talk, I mean, what, 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 is the, what is the problem with being, um, strong, taking a stronger stance against Iran? I mean, there is, uh, you know, some of the words are the right, you know, that we're taking a strong position supporting the people and the protesters, etc. But in terms of actions, um, you've been on the side for a, a long time of, of um, listing the IRGC uh, as a terrorist group in Canada, which is something that um, the government of Canada has not yet, yet done. That's the case in the United States. There's a couple of people who have spoken about it today um, on this show. What, what, what's, tell us, first of all, why you think that should be the case, and, and, and then what, what the holdup is or what the problem is. Well, I mean, uh, you know, uh, in Canada, the previous governments under Prime Minister Harper, for example, at that time, uh, and by the request of the Iranian community, actually, uh, we see that, you know, the House of Commons passed a resolution uh, proclaiming a massacre of political prisoners in 1988 yeah. at the Iranian prisons by the order of uh, Khomeini as a crime against humanity. Yes. This was a major, major, you know, action. So we need uh, we need similar actions to be taken by our present prime minister, by our present government. Yes, and this is the expectations of the you know Iranian community. Iranian community in Canada is is a very you know is, is a relatively strong community, contributing a lot to Canada the, in terms of their numbers. We are some people say it's about half a million four hundred thousand yeah. uh, people. You know, it's a sizable community. And apart from that, Canada's interest in Iran. Let us put it that way. What is Canada's interest in Iran today? Today is nothing. I mean, what Canada is going to lose? Uh, we don't have any business relationship, any, any trade, very, very minor, very, very 
very minor. So really, we are not going to lose any, any, any economic interest. The only thing is that if we come out, if our government comes out very strong against the Iranian regime, uh, in that case, then we will stand out among the Western world. Uh, and Canada will show itself as, you know, as a leader for human rights and supporting, uh, supporting the, uh, you know, people who are oppressed by by mm -hmm. regimes such as such as, mm -hmm. you know, the Islamic regime in Iran. So I think uh, we are missing as as a as a country really. We are missing an opportunity here. So uh, what what is the holdup? I, what is I, the, I really. Uh, I mean, for those who really <coughs> want to see this, uh, IRGC being uh, on the terrorist list, what, what I'm, you must know the reason. What's the problem? I, I really don't know the reason, Jian. Um, uh, but you know, I mean, in Iran we have two armies. One is the regular army, which mm. we had from the previous mm -hmm. regime, from the you know, during for years and decades and decades. Right. It's called Imperial Army of Iran or Imperial Military of Iran. Mm. Uh, that was one army, and its uh, its mission was to defend the country, like everybody else I mean Canada has its own military and all countries they have their own military but uh, with well-defined mission and then th this regime when they took over they created another army in parallel mm -hmm. to that uh, I guess they copied from the Red Army of Soviet Union at that time mm -hmm. maybe uh, and uh, and the name of the army is not the military of Iran it is uh, Islamic Revolutionary Guard, meaning that they are there out to you know to de to uh, to defend the, the Islamic Revolution. Mm. The Islamic Revolution. If we are talking about revolution, yes, there was a revolution. Nineteen seventy-nine happened and finished. <laughs> so there's right, no revolution. Right. Revolutions cannot continue for for decades or cannot continue for uh, ages. Revolution happened in seventy-nine. Regime changed from monarchy to republic, the so-called republic, uh, and then done. But but they created this uh, this army. Uh, this military force, it's not army now, it has their own navy, air force, you know, all various other branches as well under different names. Uh, so they created this just to, to interfere with the affairs of other countries such as Syria, Iraq and uh, Yemen and the various other countries. So this uh, force is not really a, a, a military force of a nation. It is a force with a, with, mm. a, uh, with a mission to interfere in the affairs of other other countries, and including inside Iran as well. I mean, those people, the morality, morality police and other police right. forces, other basij, etc., etc., these are all uh, uh, the branches of uh, Islamic Revolutionary Guard. So uh, with all, uh, you know, with all indications, with all uh, signs, when you look at the uh, or analyze the, uh, the, the mission and the vision of this, of this organization, mm. you will see that uh, there's nothing less than a terrorist organization. So we, I mean, you've been, um, from, 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 I mean, in my eyes, uh, I've literally seen you at protests over the in recent years, uh, and and over the years, every time there's a new atrocity in Iran, you and you've been very outspoken against the regime. You were um, there, for example, when Flight Seven Five Two was shot down, and 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 uh, you were um, speaking out quite boldly. What what would you like to see Canada do? Um, if 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 you could snap your finger and when you say these these things these kind of sanctions against the morality police don't go far enough, how can we go farther? Well, I think uh, first of all, in the uh, Canada itself can can take you know some some tangible and serious actions. Uh, one of them is uh, um, you know uh, naming. Um, um, IRGC as uh, as a terrorist organization. There was a motion passed at the Parliament of Canada, and I believe uh, 
Prime Minister himself voted for that motion. So that needs to be implemented. That has to be ratified by, you know, basically signed by the Governor General, and then it becomes uh, a law of the land so they can, they can, you know, they can act on it. So th I think that is one of the things they could do. The second thing is uh, they could apply the Magnitsky law uh, to, to, to Iran case. So, and the, the third, John, is that there are many, many uh, high-ranking officials from, from Iranian regime, either in the business side of the regime, uh, either or on the, you know, on the political side, on the military side, uh, from the you know, IRGC people, that there are many people are, are just coming to Canada uh, easily here, walking okay, around. Thank and, you. you know, I'm glad family, you brought that up. Their families are here. Right. And the Iranians are asking, saying, well, you know, we escaped. Uh, these people came to Canada. Now they are coming to Canada. They have their own mosques. They have their own, you know, events here and there. And all even, you know, they have their ashuras. All, all those things which they used to do in Iran, uh, they are doing here. So where next should we escape from these people? Mm. You know, I, I, I think, I, I, I think there, there are. I mean, what can we do about that? Canada, Canada is losing its uh, its stature, uh, at least among the Iranian people. Uh, within Iran as well, saying that look, uh, Canada is this, you know becoming uh, a haven. Uh, for, yeah. Became a haven for uh, for for these people. So it's really bad for Canada. I think the Canada's image. Um, let me finish <coughs> off with a more general question, just about um, um, you being that person who's been uh, spoken against this this regime. And uh, 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 do you? In this moment, I mean, you've said that you know this was expected. Uh, you, you're not surprised to see these, this kind of an outcry when uh, an atrocity happens, and it certainly grows each time. Are you, um, I mean, personally, are you um, enthused by what's happening? Do you, are you, dare I say, on some level, um, optimistic or or or? excited about the possibilities here in and amongst um, the horrible news that we're hearing about you know protesters being shot etc well I'm very much optimistic uh, for the future of Iran and I'm sure that this regime is not going to last uh, Jian. It lasted for 43 years now, but it's not going to last forever. It's going to be brought down. Um, the question is uh, when. Is it yes. going to be happen tomorrow or day after tomorrow? But it will happen for sure. It will happen. It's not going to take another 10 years, another 40 years. Uh, and uh, this uprising, as I said, uh, it was expected. Uh, and the regime now, you can feel that the regime is not as strong as in the past. Yes. Uh, and they, they couldn't kill as much as they could in, say, in Aban. You know, about two years ago, but it's still by now they have uh, killed at least I think forty people. Um, we we just had a guest on, and she said she was talking to her friend in Tehran, who's been going out to the demonstrations, <laughs> and he said it's different. You can see the fear in the eyes of those who are meant to be putting down the protesters. You yes. know, the uh, you can actually feel that they're that they're scared. They don't have that omnipotence that they had before. Yes, that, that is true. I mean, those people are, are really very part of the nation. At, at the end, you know, they are also uh, they are also a member of that nation. They have their families, they have their neighbors, they have their you know relatives. So 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 things are going to change, and it is in the process of changing. That's why the regime is bringing foreigners to fight Iranians. They are bringing their uh, Fatimiyun. Um, um, 
branch of IRGC, which is basically Afghanis. Uh, they are bringing others who are uh, Hashad al-Shaabi, the Iraqis, and, and some Hezbollah from Lebanon. So they, they, they are going to bring other others, you know, foreigners to come and fight with the Iranians. But I think they are going to fail at the end. And this regime is going to dig its own grave, really. That's what they are doing. Dr. Reza Moridi, you know it's always a pleasure for me to see you. Thank you so much for making the time, for coming in the studio. I know you're busy. Merci. Thank you very much for having you in, uh, in your show, Jian, um, and let's hope that this regime will be brought down as soon as possible, and the freedom and democracy, rule of law, human rights will come to our uh, country of birth, Iran. Thank you. That piece of music you just heard is a song that was recorded and released in the wee hours of this morning, uh, featuring my next guest joining us from Los Angeles, along with Sara Naini. 
Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, Reza Rouhani is a renowned Iranian, German American composer, producer, and of course a pianist. Uh, he also works for film and television. He came to global attention for his fusion works of jazz sounds with Iranian, European, and Middle Eastern influences. He's a graduate of Berklee College of Music and one of the most popular instrumentalists in Iranian music these days and right now. Reza Rouhani joins us from Los Angeles. Hello, sir. Uh, hello, sir. Pleasure to be here. Nice Thank to you. see you. Very interesting, and in some cases, uh, in some ways, horrific. In some ways, energizing circumstances for all Iranians around the diaspora. Tell me first of all about this beautiful piece of music you guys have just released. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you recorded it this weekend. <clears throat> well, just just a few hours ago. Okay. Yeah. So uh, last night. So yesterday, uh, Sarah and I started to rehearse the uh, piece. And, and learn it. Uh, it's an original, so I, I knew how it went, but uh, I had to like change the key for Sarah. And uh, so basically we we actually started rehearsing it and then we went to the demonstration in Los Angeles uh, together and then we came back after the demonstration. And um, basically, uh, you know, emotionally we were just at that place where we wanted to do something and unfortunately, once you're outside of Iran, there's just very little you can do. However, uh, this uh, at that moment really felt, um, you know, genuine. And uh, yeah, and then we just like basically had the phone up and recorded it on this same piano here. So yeah, it's beautiful. When when did you when did you write that the music? Uh, it, it goes further back. Honestly, uh, it goes further back uh, and um, yeah so uh, basically um, I, I will tell you a very interesting story I promise you once uh, once I'm sure that, that the lyricist who, who did the lyrics that are, are very touching and and the the you know the more in my opinion the more valuable part of this collaboration hmm. uh, once I know that uh, that uh, he or she is safe. I will tell you the entire story. Okay, okay. It is very interesting. I promise that. Let's let's take two or three steps back, Reza. Um, I guess I guess I mean it's the obvious question to ask anybody you see these days. You know uh, how how have you been feeling over the last couple of weeks? Well, um, I have started my uh, basically. I mean, in in a way, all all we exiled Iranians, we have started this journey years back and uh, and it is uh, I, I know that you know people say that freedom is not free of course we have to we have to pay the price for freedom but I um, I am really glad that uh, this new generation has decided to uh, you know, stay and fight uh, instead of migrating to the west or 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 doing you know other stuff like uh, collaborating with with the with the oppressive regime and uh, it is it is I, I am um, I'm really proud of them I am really worried for them I, I wish I could um, be next to them be with them physically uh, and yeah so this is like the probably the most uh, difficult part is when you're uh, outside of Iran and um you want to support this righteous movement 
this righteous leaderless movement, which is like the leaderless is just as important as, as the righteous, uh, because it just makes it so so much more beautiful. And um, also, to, to a point, uh, less vulnerable mm. to attacks. Uh, so this... Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. In other words, because because I mean, I, we usually frame the fact that there isn't a specific leadership as a as a negative thing. But I see what you're saying. In a way, it means that we can come at this from all sides. There isn't one particular um, body or or institution or person that um, can possibly be attacked. The the uh, problem has been that for the past four decades, the Islamic Republic has systematically oppressed any kind of opposition, any kind of group, any kind of uh, minority, majority, uh, even people from their own government, from their inner circle. Uh, they are, they either had to flee the country, or they had to be executed, or they had to, they are still in prison. So uh, they they actually in a way created this. So uh, this this movement is, has no other way than to be leaderless. But that's also the beauty of it. So I basically uh, uh, I, I saw a very funny uh, interaction in uh, or or a funny tweet on Twitter. It was very very funny. Um, one of the younger kids that are on the streets right now mm. um, said Panjo Hapia, which basically translates loosely into the boomers here. The boomer asked me, uh, who is your leader? And uh, I tell them, why don't you look at the moon and see who you see this time? <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically, that co- goes back into the, you know, uh, back before the revolution 40 years ago where people, you know, claimed to look at the moon and see the uh, Ruhollah right, Khomeini's face. Right, right, right. But I mean, what part of what is so surely so inspiring is, and you would know this as someone who grew up, you know, um, under this this Islamic uh, regime, you know, that so-called Islamic regime, um, the, the, the people out on the streets in Iran... Mm-hmm. 17, 18, 20 years old, uh, you know, they're born and bred into this regime and yet they are able to see past it and fight for justice. It's, um, they haven't, they haven't drunk the Kool-Aid somehow. They haven't been indo- indoctrinated and that's, that's really inspiring. It is, it is. This is a very hopeful message. Not for us. We have made our lives. We have lived our lives. We have made our choices. But for them and for for their future, it is very inspiring. It's very hopeful, uh, and I I know they have a long way to go, and and uh, I am going to to try to to support them as much as I can. But uh, yeah, so uh, I'm glad that they are taking their own future in their own hands. Tell me what it was like um, in Los Angeles. Um, the big demonstration you went to um, uh, in the last little bit. The the, the uh, one of the things that um, we've been talking about on the show. One of the things that's that's niggling at me is that um, there's been a feeling in some cases. I mean, just just right now, as we've talked about the inspiration of these young people in Iran, there is a tendency at these at these demonstrations, at least in Toronto, um, 
to almost feel celebratory. You know, there's an excitement of all these Iranians have come together um, when nothing has been won yet. In fact, people are being uh, killed in the streets, and um, and and I fear that the worst is yet to come. You know, even if the if if change comes after that. So, um, so so t- tell me what you found the tone to be, and and what your thoughts would be on how we should be doing this. Well. Um John, it's the second demonstration that I went to. The first one I went to was on Monday evening, and uh, six days later, Sunday uh, evening was the next one. And I went to both. Um, it is, to be honest with you, um, I think the it, it is very limited what happens here. Uh, you know, people are trying to, you know, like at least you know i i don't know if it's the right thing to say but you know people try to entertain themselves for for that amount of time that they are there mm. different ideas and um it's you know i i think i you know i showed up both times because because i felt that this is my responsibility even though i cannot do anything for example, if a family member is sick, you just go to the hospital and you're there, even though you're not a doctor. Right, or right, right. So, but you're there just to be there. That's the only thing that you can do. Uh, yeah, I, I urge other people to also just show up. Uh, I, I I think that that is just a statement. Uh, it is it is on on one hand as a musician very encouraging to see. Uh, 18,000 people to go to to Gugush's concert here in Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles. But then when three, 400 people show up in a, in a demonstration for the people of Iran, for Masa Amini, for, for the women in Iran, it is a little bit discouraging, but it doesn't stop us. It might be the first small step of, of many others to come. As, as you just mentioned, um, um I, I also fear that the worst is still ahead of us and uh, and we have to at least you know sh- show up and be there. Do um, so you uh, are you are you one of those folk I mean there's there's people who I mean even on this show uh, have repeatedly saying now, uh, a line has been drawn at this point, um, and this is no longer the time for anyone to be silent. It's it's a matter of picking sides. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, do you feel that way? I mean, to your contemporaries who are well known in the yeah. the Iranian well, community, do you yeah, do you think I, that everybody should be speaking out right this second? Honestly, uh, I I am not one to basically expect uh, a lot from from other people because I won't be the one that who, who will be paying the price. For myself, I have done that. I, I have dedicated my uh, professional life to, you know, uh, work with Sara Naini, who was also once oppressed in Iran and wasn't able to to sing. And uh, for that, I, I have been punished with not uh, being able to go back to see my country or my sure. uh, my uh, home for for the past eight years. So. My path and my I have paid my price in my own way, and I I have you know separated my path. Uh, but I understand that other people have other you know pri- priorities, and and uh, I am not one to expect anything. I am very positively surprised that many uh, you know uh, many famous musicians, many famous artists, 
sports personalities have come out. I, I am very touched, very, very positively surprised. Uh, I commend them. Uh, and I also would like to say that it's definitely not too late for, for other friends to, to join this movement. If they feel like it, it it's definitely, um, it's definitely the, uh, righteous. It mm -hmm. is like demanding basic human rights is definitely righteous. And um, yeah, it's never too late to join. Reza, thank you for this today, and, and thank you for that, that beautiful piece of music that I'm sure is going to be traveling around the world inspirationally in the next uh, few days and, and, and weeks. Merci. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. Take Hello. care, guys. Bye-bye. This dream I'm dreaming Won't you wake me up Cause this life I'm This is a special edition of Rook, The Uprising, Solidarity with Iran. Next we go to Sacramento. Captain Christopher Borzu Behnam is an Iranian-American pilot, an aviation expert, a motivational speaker, and a human rights advocate. He is the recipient of the prestigious Superior Airmanship Award for his actions in saving 381 lives on the United Airlines Flight 1175 in 2018. And right now, Captain Christopher Borzu Behnam joins me from Sacramento. Hello, sir. Hi, Jean. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you again. We come together in different circumstances. This one, uh, depending on how you look at it, uh, a sad circumstance or an exhilarating one. I um, I know you've been very active in spreading the word and supporting the protests and the movement in Iran. You fly around the world every day, each week. Do, do you have a sense of how global this movement is? Oh, it has become very, very global. Every place I go... People know about it, even in the cockpit, the American pilots that I fly with, and they know, they ask me a question, what's going on in Iran, what's being done about it, and I tell them that uh, all of us are getting together to push this movement forward, and once and for all, be able to free the Iranian people and be done with the Islamic Republic. And I have to tell them that Islamic Republic they're not Iranians. They're, that's, that they do not represent Iran. The people of Iran are warm, kind, loving people. And unfortunately, they've been taken hostage. The country's been occupied. I say wholeheartedly, these people are occupiers, uh, taking over this beautiful country and the culture of Iranian people for the last 43 years. Um. You know, this this program, this special that we're doing, we're trying to focus on how those of us 
in the diaspora like you and I, um, and also non-Iranians around the world, what we can do, how we can show solidarity, and how we can support um, this the, the protesters, the, the young, brave women and men in Iran who are putting their lives on the line for, for justice and to, to, to try to create change in this moment. You've said in a message to all Iranian celebrities and, and well-known folks around the world, you said that they should speak up now and, quote, history will judge us, unquote. Uh, tell me about that message. Well, the fact of the matter is we have a lot of successful Iranians financially in movies, uh, singers around the world. And this is a time for them to speak up. Each one of those individuals with three, five, seven, ten million uh, followers, they are basically are like a broadcasting station like BBC or CNN. It's time for them to put their differences aside and step up to the plate. Stop standing on the fence line, wondering, you know, which direction. Well, by the way, who are your followers? These are all Iranian followers. You didn't get there by yourself. People put you there. Now it's time for you to give back. And I always say, how can you be Iranian at this day and age? I mean, it makes me almost angry and say, I'm not political. We are all political. Mm. The celebrities who were saying we are not political, now they say they are political. But by just hashtag and singing, things are not going to ha- change. Put your hand in your pocket. Give us money. I don't know how clear can I be. People need money. With money, all this is over. I want to send the thousand Starlink packages to Iran. What uh, Secretary Blinken says, I admire him. I admire the U.S. taking a stand finally. I admire Elon Musk saying, activating Starlink. Well, what does that mean? Activating and pushing the button doesn't mean Iranians are going to get it. And I'm telling the Iranians in Iran, don't be fooled by somebody saying, buy my package and all of a sudden you have a Starlink. No, you, you need the equipment. And we have the people. I hate to say this, but we have the people that have to smuggle this. You know, somebody like shows that this as well, you're going to have national strike. Okay, national strike. Who's going to pay for these people? Who's going to put money on their uh, food on their table? If we have the money, we can do that. We have people standing by to shut the country down, but they need money. It's it's interesting, you know. A lot of there's been a lot of prescriptions for what we should do, and a lot of them are, you know, get out there, be a voice, uh, protest, uh, talk to the media, etc. You're actually the first person that is on this program that's that's brought up uh, um, money, but uh, um, yeah, I mean that's not money. Certainly not irrelevant, is it? When when uh, people are people need this kind of help, so um, uh, it's it's a very fine point you're making. Okay. Bottom line, this is what we need. We need five things to make this thing happen. We need a leader. We need a leadership team. We need the people. We need money. And we need the, an okay from the Western countries, i.e. the four major ones, U.S., Germany, France, and England. Out of these five items, all we have is the people. 
Yeah, I mean, well, well, you were saying you're really happy with uh, Secretary Blinken. I mean, there are certainly folks who feel like um, that the U.S. could be doing more to uh, encourage and enable um, the the protesters on the streets. Although, also, there's there's you know understandable trepidation about actual intervention, you know, from Western countries. But I mean, where are you at on that? What do you want your government in the U.S. to be doing? Well, soft support is different than hard support. But hard support is military. That's not going to happen. We don't need it. Iranian people are strong enough. You know, it, it was an empire. They have had, had many, many wars. They have won against superior enemies. Okay, they can win again. What is needed, as I said, a leader that we don't have, a leadership team that cannot come together, these opposition leaders, I'm telling the people in the world, do not count on them. For 43 years, they have done nothing. They will not do, do anything for the next 43 years. They cannot come together and create a coalition. Transitional shadow government right now. The U.S. wants to know who we are. What is our organization? And for the last four years I've been working on this, I'm all about teamwork. And I tried to get the Iranian to understand the concept of teamwork and organization, and they still can. I mean, look at Apple, look at IBM. Would you hire any of the Iranian officials to be on the board of directors of Apple? I would not even hire them as a janitor. The president of a country that cannot even speak. He has a supposedly a PhD. He cannot even speak. I mean, my English is after 45 years is better than his. Mm. You know, <laughs> Iranian opposition, they don't have their act together. They're fighting. I spend hundreds of hours, hundreds of hours with them. It's just not going to happen. The leaders are in Iran. We need to support them. If the U.S. government knows that we have a team that can support them, then they put their support behind us. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we don't have well-speaking Iranians in U.S., in Germany, in France, in Spain, in Italy to speak as a speaker for the group. We have personalities that have millions of followers, but it can't be all shouting and screaming. You don't see a U.S. politician or a Canadian politician get behind the podium and start shouting and screaming. Well, let me let me you ask know? you about about that and, and about something a little more granular. Uh, and I, I know I can't keep you too long, but uh, but when we talk about the protests. Um, and we've been we've been talking about that that these are the protests I should say and demonstrations that are happening outside of Iran in support of what's happening in Iran. I know that um, uh, we've been talking here on this show about how we've had some really big ones here in Toronto. They're happening around the world. I mean, I know in San Francisco, close to you, there's been big protests, etc. Um, you've you've said that you believe the protests in the diaspora are less effective when they are only in Persian. This is something I profoundly agree about. Uh, talk to me about that. Well, 
it, it, it's very obvious. I mean, we grew up here. We know how this system works here. By shouting and screaming, you're not going to achieve much. I mean, people might be compassionate, but if they don't understand you, they don't understand you. You need to have a spokesperson. I mean, look at it. How many has been? Less than a handful, right? Major cities in the Europe, France, England, Germany, Cal uh, U.S., 10 or 15, 20 of these leaders bringing these people together. But there has to be an, an end to this. There has to be a, a, a plan. They, they, they take the action, but... How, how realistic is it that we're going to have a... Um, a common spokesperson in the Iranian diaspora. I mean, I say that I, I'm I'm chuckling, but I mean it's 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 our sad reality. Is that is that something realistic that we we're going to have we're going to be able to develop that? Yes, because this one is different. This one is different. When you look at the demonstrators, and this is really really important. I hope people understand this. These are the 15, 17, 18, 19-year-old kids who have been born during this regime's existence. They have been brainwashed by this regime, by their propaganda, but these are the ones coming to the, coming out, okay? People have started feeling that this movement is different. We have more people in California coming out. I have lost a lot of friends because my political views about this thing. Oh, we don't want to talk about politics, you know? Therefore, we don't want you on my show anymore. Fine. Not all of those people are back on the streets. Hmm. Put your money where your mouth, or mouth where your money is. If you, either you're in or you're not. I always say, you're either pregnant or you're not. There's no in the middle. Okay, if we all come in, the power in the numbers. Like as I said, if the millions of Iranians come in and put their hands in the pocket, whether it's a thousand dollars, five hundred, one hundred dollars, fifty dollars, twenty, ten, five dollars, there is gonna be enough money put aside to help and send what they need immediately, finish up this organization. Get everybody together, you know, otherwise we are a, a, just like a big empty drum that makes a lot of noise, but it's just full of hot air. Okay. Uh, Captain Behnam, I mean, uh, I am grateful to, to have you on this program again. I thank you for your time. Before I let you go, listening to your tone and listening to your words today, it sounds like you do believe this is a moment of inflection for Iran, that this, this is a, some kind of turning point. Would that be true? Absolutely, it is. You see, this regime is not going to last. They are right at the edge, and we, all we have to do is just push them over. They are, we believe that things are happening in Iran. They're sending money out. They're sending stuff out of the Iran, taking the people's wealth, leaving the country, or getting set up in Venezuela and Gorgestistan and some other Eastern European countries, they're getting ready to leave. We absolutely believe this. We need the support of the U.S. We need to have a leader to stand up. You can't just come and say something and not have a plan of action. People in Iran need leadership. I don't need anything. I'm just going to do everything in my power to get people on the right direction so destination is clear. 
Maybe it's because of my job and what I do for a living. I have a clear flight plan. I know what altitude, what airspeed I'm going to fly, how much fuel I'm going to burn. And if I get to from here to, let's say, come to Canada to see you, and if I can't land, land there, this is my alternate. This is how much fuel I can have to hold and land. We can't do this. Look at all those young people. What do we have to lose to compare with them? They're losing their lives. Yes. We have nothing to lose yes. except putting our time and energy to Iranian people in Iran. I'm telling you, do not buy into the bullshit of the celebrities in Iran that they're changing position now. They'll probably be most likely being paid by the Iranian government. They are the master of disguise and master of manipulation. And towards the end, I know the time is limited. Yeah, we got to go. I want to tell you one story. There was a long time ago, this general was sent to capture an island. When he gets there, he tells all his seamen to go ahead and burn all the ships down. And they said, what do you mean? We burned the ships, we can't get back. So we are not going back. We either win or we die. There is no turning back. Churchill, after the war, war II was finished and they won, he made an announcement. You know, you remember Churchill with his stogie, yes. pop yes. hat. Yes, we remember The Churchill. most important yes. speech he ever made in front of thousands of cadets. Visualize this. The kids are sitting all young out of the military school. He comes on the stage, he looks at the kids, he takes his top hat off, he puts his cane on the side, looks it right in the eyes, and says, never give up. And he stands silent for a minute until those words start meaning something to those kids. And a minute later, he says, never give up. As the boys are digesting, trying to understand the meaning of those words, he walks, puts his top hat on, grabs his cane, and looks back and says, never give up. That's the most important speech he ever made. So to Iranian people, I'm telling them, never give up. Give up to what? Give up to what? Captain Christopher Borzu Behnam, thanks, man. Appreciate ha having you back on the program and, and hearing your voice once again. Merci. It's always a pleasure, and I really admire and appreciate what you and your team are doing in Canada. Hopefully, we can get the Iranian people to unite and all move in one direction. I mean, the people on this side of the world to move in one direction. Khodafis. Captain Christopher Borzu Behnam, the Iranian-American pilot, aviation expert, motivational speaker, and human, human rights advocate, as you could hear there. Well, well um, it's been quite a whirlwind yes. uh, across the um, diaspora, Gurvishaya. Um, grateful to all of the guests. Oh, yeah. I I've learned a lot, actually. Yeah? What's yeah. something you learned? Um, <laughs> from the 
end if I want to say like money actually is important. Yeah, I was glad he, <laughs> he's, right. he's the final guest, but he, <laughs> it's a, it's a good point. Yes, um, money. money needs to be yeah. there as well, right? As well as hashtags and and yes. solidarity demonstrations. And like the thing Geller said about the fear full oh. being fitted right yeah, it, yeah. it was really interesting yeah. yeah and the thing uh who was it uh um Reza Rohani was saying that it's better that we don't have a leader because <laughs> yes, yes nobody can be targeted yes, yes that's right and yeah. i thought combi's words about yeah. not needing uh uh you know the about uh celebrities, celebrities. Yeah. yeah i just thought yeah, yeah some really rich stuff yes exactly. really rich stuff yeah, and yeah. and and uh, Kaveh Shahruz and Sonita, yeah. Um, now, Shia, before we end off, I should announce, I got to do the final credits, but right after the final credits, okay. I want to play this uh, this this track that you guys dang show. Yes. Um, you worked on just on the weekend. Yes, actually, it's it's not a, like a, it's not a song. It's just one. It's minute. a piece. Yeah, it's a piece, one minute, and it's actually based on one of our um, kind of hit songs, you know, oh. called Dang Show. So we just turn it and bring oh. it into this. Yeah, I was all excited. I thought it was so cool. I didn't know you were just repurposing <laughs> material. No, but uh, <laughs> it's it's all new. Like everything yeah. about it is new. No, it's so. And cool and the video is really cool too the, the yeah, images really, the, yes. yeah I mean it's it's all right so um, let me say goodbye first sure. uh, yeah. uh, this is full time for for this special edition of Rook uh, the uprising solidarity with Iran thank you so much to everybody for listening um, if you want more information about our program our programming on how you can support us because um, <clears throat> we really do need the support uh, through crowdsourcing. Go to rookmedia.com, rookmedia.com, and press the support us button. You can become a patron of ours for five bucks a month, and it really, it really means a lot, or ten bucks a month for that matter. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together. Savvy Roham, talented Anihita, Super Parisa, Smart Pega, Aray Mertad, and Groovy Shaya. Thank you to all of you out there supporting us and sharing our content. Subscribe if you have not done so already on any or all of our platforms. Uh, that helps us if you actually subscribe and, um, you know, you get uh, the, the, the content in your inbox. You can find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi. We're gonna go out on this. Uh, does it have a name? Like Parcham Bedaste Dochtaron, maybe like flag in the hands of the yes. the women. Uh, Dang show and their ode to this uh, movement in Iran. We'll go out on that. Mizun Bashin. از جنگ می ترسیم نه از جنگ می ترسیم نه از جنگ می ترسیم نه ایران به خون آشوان پر رنگ شد پر رنگ شد از جنگ می ترسیم نه گر جنگ شد او جنگ شد آیان جلادی رسد به آزادی رسد هرچند به دست دختران با ما تو هم آهن شد این جا مست شد 